Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ooga shaka, ooga, ooga, ooga shaka, ooga, ooga, ooga shaka. I can't stop this feeling. Jesus. It's Patrick's birthday. Yes, it's a new CU podcast. For May 9, alongside Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Country, I can't keep the cadence going, we have a nice podcast for you. We'll be discussing a lot of topics tonight, ranging from modern gaming uh, news and events going on, retro gaming stuff going on, another game wheel is around. We'll also be talking about the, the, the best movie of all time, possibly, Captain America Civil War, and your Q&A. What's going on, Ian? Not much. I just got back from a trip home to It's my Buffalo. birthday. Well, yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> I already wished you happy birthday like three times today. Um, uh, got back from my trip to Buffalo. I did a convention called LittleCon 3 in Buffalo, and it was a lot of fun. Um, took a trip up to Toronto, hung out with some friends, and that was really good, too. Uh, found out that I'm really bad at relaxing on vacations, so I kind of came back. <laughs> I kinda... Is that something you ever want to discover that you don't, you can't relax on vacation? Because that isn't that the whole point of a vacation is to relax. Yeah, but I mean, I've got to be honest with you. Over the years, I've found that. Let's say I'm taking like a seven or eight day vacation. There's probably like three days near the beginning where like I'm relaxed and then I spend the rest of the vacation dreading the vacation being over. So it's like summer vacation when you're a kid. Well, as soon as it hit August 1st, you're like, oh shit, uh, you know, we're four weeks away from school. Yeah. So you can't enjoy it. You just dread it. Yep. Like June is great. And most of July when you're a kid is fantastic. Yes. Like probably the peak of the summer is like 4th of July, uh-huh. which still mentally in my head, whenever it hits 4th of July, I'm like, oh, this is the happiest I'm ever going to be. I, just, <laughs> I still hate August. I still hate August because of the dread I would feel going back to my Catholic grade school as a kid. Yeah, the second uh, half of August was the absolute worst. Whenever you saw that Disney, those Disney afternoon commercials come on, it's getting closer. It's three weeks away, which meant that's when school was starting. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck the new Disney afternoon because that means I got to you know sit through awful you know geometry. Or whatever. Anyway, so that, yeah, that's what my vacations are like. But I, I mean, I had, I there, there were a lot of fun moments, um, you know, especially in Toronto. And like I said, the convention was good, and seeing family and friends was good. But uh, yeah, I don't know how to relax anymore at all. So that's kind of upsetting. <laughs> that's always a good. That's always good to discover. Yeah, you know, especially as you're, we're you, rocketing towards middle age. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, you know, so um, uh, real quick, um, uh, the book is in its 14th proof for the physical version. You can still order at ultimatenes.com, pre-order. The, the digital one's done. Uh, because the problem is all these shadow developers and hidden developers. Yeah. So I've probably updated in the past, I don't know, three weeks about over 100 NES developers. I, I figured, oh, let's double check some of these. Right. Especially a lot of the ones where uh, a lot of the computer ports, where I'd say 95% of the computer game ports were not done by the uh, company that originally did it on the computer. No. For example, like King's Quest V. But a few did. Like a mule, uh, it sounds like they did theirs, right? Own. Um, and I think Bard's Tale, no, Bard's Tale didn't. But tracking down some of like those developers, I think Cybernator was too. I think it was the same one guy, perhaps. Okay, Cybernator, 
Uh, was not a game on the NES. Yeah. Uh, Cybernoid? Cyber... <laughs> he's making up names of games that aren't an Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES. Cyberball? Cyber... Whatever that shit is right here. Cybernoid. Oh. Okay, fine. Cybernoid. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully I, I caught that one. But <laughs> Or you did. Um, but So that's done. And it was my birthday today. I went with Frank to uh, the Padres game on Friday. Uh, saw the Mets lose. We got our faces up on the big screen. You see me tweet that up? Yes. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I was gonna. I felt like tweeting out the picture I took of it to the Padres, so it'd be like it'd be like a um, scoreboard inception where it kept going in. You know, mm. but I didn't feel like that was, was going to be too clever for the for the ballpark. <laughs> and then uh, we saw we saw a Civil War on Saturday, which we'll get into. And then um, I'm going away to Norway. Retro spill Messin. Book your tickets now if you haven't on Norway on Wednesday. And for that event is this weekend, May um, 14th and 15th. And I shot uh, two NES Punk videos back-to-back uh, a week uh, a week and a half ago. And that was exhausting. And I still have to edit them. So that'll be fun. But that's going to come in May uh, for sure. And then uh, me and Ian will be end of June or only me for now. Ooh, going to too many. <laughs> yeah, no. Nope. He's not going, but he's going. I'm a, uh, I'm a big question mark right now. <laughs> so announce me, Ryan. <laughs> Jesus. So we got a couple of sponsors. Um, you take the first one, Ian. I'll take the second. Oh, fine. Encroaching on my territory. Your territory. <laughs> Embraceware. Hey guys, Jerry here from Embraceware. We have a new game coming soon, which is named Wee Man Sniper. If you would like to be notified when the game is released, enter your email address at www.weeman.com. It'll be available on iOS, Android, Mac, and PC. As always, you can get a sneak peek of what we're working on by checking us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at slash Embraceware on each. New to the web, but not new to the game, GeekMixology.com is an up-and-coming place where vodka meets video games. At Geek Mixology, you will find creative cocktails made by experienced mixologists and diehard gamers. We are not only fans of the retro community, but contributors as well. Please st- stop by our little spot on the web and stay tuned for new videos, drink recipes, and upcoming events. We at Geek Mixology are huge fans of the CU Podcast, and thank you for being a sponsor as well. It's a little hard to say geek mixology, but I got through it. So we're going to start off with probably the biggest gaming news uh, the past week. By the way, uh, I did a, a solo CU podcast, and it was interesting seeing everyone uh, give their questions and comments about how they thought I murdered you. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw. <laughs> it, was, oh, it was very heartfelt that their love for you, uh, you know, conveyed through how I probably murdered you. Well, someone also it. said that they hoped I had stopped breathing and died. So, you know, oh, I mean, for real? Yeah, oh, that wasn't a cue, and that was a scary one. Yeah. There was, there was a few that were quite interesting. But the biggest gaming news was probably the Battlefield 1 trailer that came out. It's not a trailer. Well, it, 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 was, an, it was an engine, and then, and then there was some... It, there was a, there, they, they showed an engine, but the engine didn't show where, what the game was actually really going to be like. What, it, what happened was is they leaked... Um, a store display was leaked mm-hmm. and clearly showed um, a Zeppelin crashing, um, a trench club... Uh, in, the, in the guy's hand, and I mean, what's pretty easy to ascertain from this, and I think this is actually pretty cool. Uh, I, I don't play a lot of these uh, types of games. Is uh, we're looking at probably a World War One themed shooter uh, called Battlefield One. Yeah, but so, okay, so it's an announcement trailer, whatever you want to call it. Either way, we're not 100% positive that that'll be all the gameplay footage, but it's using the engine at least to render that shit out. Sure, they just wanted to show off the graphics was yeah. basically what that was. 
And so why I'm interested in this, and I went over the prior week by myself, why uh, the ne- the overwhelming negative reaction to modern, uh, to Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, because all of a sudden now it's a space game. Um, this is back to the basics, and there is that diehard audience that doesn't want to go into space, that loves the, both the Battlefield series and Call of Duty. They want it to be just sniper rifles, machine guns, tanks. Right. You know, bombers. Like, that's what I want. And so... World War One is where a lot of that stuff first came to pass. Machine guns, uh, aerial dogfighting, tanks. World War One was the first big conflict using all that stuff. The right. first modern warfare, you know, which is why Battlefield said we're going back to the basics. And, but so it's risky to do that just because World War One, for some weird reason, is not really touched upon at all in popular culture ever. There's rarely any movies made about World War One. Correct. They had that Spielberg one that came out a few years ago about the horse. Uh, before that, I can't even think of one that came out. No, it, um, it, it's, I mean, it, it's practically untouched in terms of video games yeah. and a lot of media. Sure. Which is not to say that there aren't books and history written about it. Obviously, there is. But in terms of popular media, it's not particularly, um, yeah, it's not particularly uh, done. So what's interesting to me about this is um, there was a huge backlash early on, like I'd say early 360, when Modern Warfare came out and Battlefield um, you know, started moving into the, the modern era. Uh, people found it refreshing because they were getting sick and tired of constant World War II um, shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, when Call of Duty did World at War, everyone was like, what the fuck? Uh, you, you just did Modern Warfare and that was great and now we're already going going back to World War II. But with each push into the future that Call of Duty has done, um, it's lost a lot of people because you have started to, whether you whether it's your theme or not, whether you like it or not, there's they're encroaching on territory that's already being done, which is space and sci-fi. Um, so you're losing people who want something grounded in some sort yeah. of realism. Yeah, so when they remember less than two years ago, you had the Advanced Warfare come out with Kevin Spacey. That was like November of 2014, and that was already taking the jump to new technology with like exosuits. Basically. Exosuits. Basically, you're playing Unreal Tournament at that point. If you can do these huge jumps and use all these you know, grappling hooks and things like that, and just like okay, yeah, there's a market for that maybe, but those other games you can get that experience. Right. Exactly. So then why put it in our game? Why not keep it pure? Why not say, okay, we have drone strikes and things like that, stuff that still exists now and it's modern, but now they're going 20 years in the future or 30 or 40 years, and that to me was even a stretch. But now to go 100 years in the future or more and where it's like, okay, now this is Star Citizen. This is, this is, this is literally now going to come what Star Citizen's trying to do, or at the very least, Elite Dangerous, this Elite takes place in our universe in our galaxy, like with Earth, but now we're just going to add the first-person shooter elements to it. It, it. It's just a weird decision. Now, obviously, it has nothing to do with Battlefield, but it just shows how two companies that both have the biggest first-person shooters are going in opposite directions. And we're going to see how it plays out in the fall, because Battlefield comes out, I believe, uh, in October, and Modern Warfare is a month afterwards. Uh, uh, Infinite Warfare. Infinite Warfare. Used to be modern. Now it's, you know, Star Trek Warfare. <laughs> it's coming out. Uh, but I'm excited, again, because World War One is not really touched upon. It was brutal. Absolutely brutal when you think about World War One and the, the chemical weapons. The mustard gas was what it's famous for. They use, they use other stuff though besides that, but mustard gas is a big one. That was horrific. That's why I was banned after after World War One using that stuff. Trench warfare. Um, you you hear the term, but just literally two sides, not even I don't know thirty yards apart, right? Forty yards. Dig a trench, 
have both your sides in there and just try to shoot each other for weeks on end with no no one gaining ground. Or when you try to gain ground uh, and try to you get mowed down by machine gun fire. You know, it's just horrific, just like awful. So it, there was a t- it was at a time when they were they were they were transitioning from you know older weapons and older military tactics to new ones with newer warfare and trying to come to terms with okay now we got to deal with machine guns now we got to deal with these uh these things called tanks which before you know mechanized warfare didn't exist you know uh, air, you know uh, dog fighting right uh, using rudimentary bombers uh to attack enemies and even using um you know balloons to try to uh, do recon stuff like that so it's using all this the same uh, strategies used in modern warfare, but this is the first time it was used. It's- yeah, and it, it could create some interesting gameplay mechanics if they're smart. They're not just going to reskin the basic weapon oh. archetypes. Um, I, I want things to fire slower. I want things to be uh, harder to control. I mean, they, they have a chance to make something strangely, I mean, very unique by by setting it so far in the past. Uh, yeah, and you'll have melee combat probably. Like I said, it was uh, I believe it's the Harlem Hellfighter guy in the cover uh with a pistol and the trench club so there's probably going to be some trench combat going on where you know you have to depend upon your either uh bayonet or a knife or your 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 club or mace to you know get by so that's interesting to me obviously i love dog fighting games and this was the first time it was it was done the red Baron's most likely going to be in the game do you think we'll get snoopy Ian, that'll probably be DLC. Oh, okay. That'll be the CU, the CU podcast uh, pre-order pack. <laughs> Snoopy, the order now and play. Order now and play as Snoopy. <laughs> you know. Um, so you're gonna have that. You have you're gonna have battleships or uh, primitive battleships and primitive bombers. And uh, even though what there was a uh, ho- there's gonna be horses in the game they they revealed. You can have you know this is when horses were getting phased out uh, of warfare. Uh, so you have horses. You say you can bring a horse to a tank fight. That's that's interesting to me. Just to see the different strategies you'll have with trying to stick with the more, uh, I guess, more freedom of using. Because remember, back then, tanks were not quick. They didn't move well. They were armored. Um, you didn't have rocket launchers to take them down, but you could take them down. So you might want to use a horse and flank and, you know, do stuff with it. Uh, so I think this is going to be the real tail of the tape. If um, It sounds like, for the most part, that this was a great decision because... If you all the positive thumbs up for Battlefield One versus Infinite Warfare, where it's more thumbs down on the trailer than thumbs up, where people are like, "What the hell did you do? You over? You went way too far." It hit a million us. thumbs down. I think. Yeah, that one. Those weren't all troll tools. They're like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, we the Advanced Warfare. Okay, we're with you there, maybe even. But now this is now we're now we're doing Elite Dangerous, basically, and it's like we didn't ask for that, and it won't be as good as Elite Dangerous. That space combat, it can't, because that's all that game's focused on. Oh, this is. You know, oh, it's going to be like you're in a plane, but you're in space. You know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's not like that's not what the focus of the game is. Sure. So, well, our friend Tim Atwood. I feel so bad for him. He must be sitting at home crying right now about this. So, this is where the Incredible Hulk said music walking away. He posted on Nintendo Age. It's not my favorite website, but it really is. I thought it was your home away from home. It, you know what? It's like it's like a third cousin that you you see like once every blue moon. You remember why you like some things about him, but you don't like others. There's always a dirty cot there for you, though. But, but then you realize he he might have stolen your car at one point. <laughs> um, so he posted on Nintendo Age that he accomplished. He first he he posted that he wanted to accomplish things by bringing up the fact that he had all these sealed games and the fact that he had six sealed state events that were left. And he posted 
a message that he accomplished it. And of course it was locked <laughs> quickly after right. after he posted. So he wanted to do a few things. Well, and he, he brought and he brought up he brought up the fact that people on Nintendo Age were attacking him unnecessarily, right. which they were. And and they were just saying, you know, oh, you're just in this for yourself, blah blah blah. And and I go back to the fact that like the one thread said, I guess old Atwood is, wasn't telling the truth as the title of the thread, trying to expose him or something. And so he reiterate, reiterated first a story about uh, a, a, uh, excuse me, not a Super Mario, a Mario Brothers arcade game that they got offers for it online at four or five and another for ten point five thousand. Didn't accept any of those offers because he didn't want to sell it to those people. He wanted to find the right buyer. They were people with high buy it nows. They were people who were obviously going to flip this. Yes. So he found someone that he knew just wanted for the collection and gave it to him for a dollar. And he said he loved seeing the look on their face. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> and then he also stated, my rare games aren't listed for the money, rather to find rather to find a deserving person that will cherish the game. So obviously people on Nintendo Age either didn't trust the guy or just you know jealous or whatever else, because they attacked him anyway and said, you're in this for yourself, you're in this to promote your games, blah, 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 even though obviously he hasn't been doing that. No. If he wanted to do that, he would have done it years ago. He sold the freaking Power Punch 2 since this point, a Bigfoot, and the poster. Right. Which he was kind enough to give Ian and I uh, a poster of Stay Events coming soon. Yes, I'm, that's going on the wall. That's all he's done. So he obviously had ulterior motives, and he revealed them here. He had accomplished three things. He 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 he, and, and, and he, he kind of... This was unintended, but he was happy that he found this. The first thing that he accomplished was that he found people to help. Meaning, through all of this, he has found collectors that he can place his games with where he knows they will have good homes. The second thing he accomplished, and I think this is probably the most important one, is that he's shown people that, especially people within the sealed collecting community, that these games are not as rare as the gatekeepers quote, would, would would like you to think they are. That they are out there, that they are available, and your ability to get one is no longer... Um, you know, uh, you're, is no longer held by yeah. by just a small cabal. You're not you're not beholden to people that want to uh, basically control the prices of, on the market, so they can you know feel like they have a big penis. Uh, and then the third one is fairly obvious. Uh, I mean, I, if, if you look at the first two, is he 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 discovered who he won't help ever. So people that attacked him, and he brought he brought me up in, in the podcast in general, um, being that through the podcast we got out the list of games. Right. Well, most of it. There was a limit to YouTube with the amount, but I, I, I cut out the ones that are a little crappy. I left the good stuff, and they're like the 90% of the, the right. good, <laughs> 90% of the goodies that we went over about three, four weeks ago. Uh, so people know what he has. I can contact him, and then he can filter through himself if he wants to deal with people. Like, for example, maybe Ian wants a clue, clue land at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's people he lists that, one that he thinks was stalker stalking him, uh, and then Quest for NES talks shit about you behind your back. I think Quest for NES is a guy has talked shit about, about me in the form a lot. That name sounds familiar, uh, and a few other names that don't matter to me at all. Um, and then someone says, uh, to, so, so, uh, "Captain Warmonger seems to think the posters aren't collectible." Ask the two individuals that spent good money on the first one; they would disagree. I already cherish mine. <laughs> You're going to just put that up on the wall next to the Bloodsport? Uh, Did they come also? with certificates of authenticity, or do I potentially oh, have a bootleg You might poster. have a bootleg Steam events uh, coming uh, soon, poster. Come on, <laughs> buddy. Is it a first? Is it a second printing like Ninja Turtles comics? How am I going to flip this, Tim? Sure. Uh, so, 
he basically ex- exposed members of Nintendo Age for what they are without even really trying to. Yeah. Just by just, just by, by existing. Just, just by, by having his collection. By existing, by having a collection, and by trying to do good right. in the hobby. He exposed and, people. And that's the funny thing. By trying to do good, he made so many people angry. What a fucking world we live in. Yep. It's, it's really a shame, uh, and I'll get into why more. Uh, it's a shame because this, this is where the story just begins. Um, uh, so someone then posted on Nintendo Age and, and got in touch with me about it. Um, through Tim about he, he he I guess through all this hoopla uh, Tim talked to someone on, on the former's name is Puppy Waffles oh by the way I'm sorry I forgot about this but they banned Tim Atwood from Nintendo Age the, one of the mods did right by the way isn't that lovely yes that's absolutely lovely that's well that was my comment uh, at the very beginning yeah. was I bet you Tim's sitting at home right now crying yeah. over this uh, we'll get back to that but uh, a form where I did see a few comments saying we need a lot more Tim Atwoods on Nintendo Age but apparently the moderators don't agree because they banned them so we'll get back to I that I really thing. want waffles right now so puppy waffles <laughs> puppy waffles that should, how have you had waffles shaped like puppy faces that'd be kittens. great kitten waffles hmm. kickstarter Ian um, he posted a, a that he that Tim had given him a Kirby's Adventure sealed. It's it's the uh, it's the French English version. I believe it's the one I have, and it's not extremely rare by any means. You know, it probably doesn't doesn't, doesn't go for a huge, huge amount. I don't know, fifty bucks, six bucks. I don't know. Who gives a shit? It was a gift. Yeah, it was a gift. It, it was a nice gift. Yep. Tim didn't say post it on Nintendo. He just said, oh, okay, you want it? I you know I probably got forty of them. Yeah, I have one. Yeah, why not? He didn't have to do it. He posted on Nintendo Age saying, hey, I just want to show that Tim sent me something it was nice of him to do. And he even said, please do not post your opinions about Tim's statements or anything else related. This is this is not a threat for you to complain about anything or justify why you dislike Tim or to tell me why you think a case of statements is stupid. So he basically said, oh, this is cool. And t- he, had, he had Tim sign uh, the outside of it looks like the plaster. Right yeah. There. Just a cool story. So... What bothered me so much about this, and, and, and we might be going in different directions here, but this is, I read, I, oh God, I got so fucking disgusted over this. One of the moderators uh, actually tried to say, basically, uh, tone it down, it's not that great of a gift, it's not that rare, blah, 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 this, that, and the next thing. Um, it's not like he gave you this or that. Completely overlooking the fact, basically reaffirming everything we've said that these people well, are concerned about nothing but value. It's the gesture that mattered well, here. Let's be fair. There, there is, was a moderator named B.A. who said, I love hearing stories of uh, generosity. That's great stuff. Um, but then, yeah, it, 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 it got worse from there. Right. One person said... An awful comment was like, "Well, that was like if if Bill Gates gave you a random right. Xbox no, that's, game." That's the guy I'm talking about. He also went on to, that. He was the one who was poo pooing the gift because it wasn't worth enough. And it's like, you you these people are so fucking blind. They 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 failed to realize that to this person it means everything because it was a kind gesture. It's one of their favorite games, and it's one that they've wanted. the 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 value of it does not fucking matter but to the person the moderator who was complaining yes it was the value that mattered and because it wasn't a a high enough value the gift therefore somehow lost its meaning yeah um so there's this uh moderator named kevbot with a backwards three Mm, neat so it sounds like that's one of the guys that tim had a problem with that was sort of coming after him Mm. and he's a moderator on the site 
Um, so. So that's impartial. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like there was some fallout from this. Uh, just from, oh, it looks like there was some deleted messages or things. That, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, people on Nintendo Age, you can go after me if I'm not getting my story straight here totally. But it just sounds like there's a lot of tomfoolery going around here. Here's the, here's the issue. A lot of shenanigans. A lot of shenanigans. A lot of shenanigans. The, the issue is that you have people at Nintendo Age moderators are abusing power. Yeah. That's that's the only way you can say it. Not all the moderators, but some. When you know, when this you know, is a new thing, isn't it? Oh no, I'm oh, sorry. No, wait, no, this has been your not. problem forever. No, no that, that's yeah. not. The, you know, yeah, it's, it's existed <laughs> since you know forever when people were slandering me, libeling me, and threads and moderators like, ah, oh, it's fine, it's fair game. He's a public figure. Yeah, because that means you can libel me uh, anyway. But you cannot, or you should not have moderators getting. When you moderate a website, you're supposed to be impartial, right? Like literally, like unless you're breaking the form rules. You shouldn't care. Look at Albert from Atari Age. He very rarely dipped his toes into the whole Coleco Chameleon thing. Because Albert's a good guy. Love you, Albert. <laughs> so when you have moderators with their own agenda, or a, I'm not, like I said, there's some nice ones. Some ones, some of them even, uh, even at Contemy try to get me back into the fold at Nintendo Age, mm-hmm. which I think is cute. But, you know, whatever. They're, tr- they're, trying, to, they're trying to make nice, which right. is fine. But the fact of the matter is you have some moderators that are, are pushing their own ge- or agenda or the agenda of their close friends on the site. Who are maybe making money off a lot of repros that they don't own the rights to, or maybe uh, trying to control prototype markets, or or do backdoor deals, um, and then people you know wash it. You know oh, that didn't, didn't happen. No, they're my friends. It doesn't matter. They can get away with it. You know, or things like that, or or hoarding games. And oh well, they're my friends, so yeah, we we, we shouldn't call them out. But someone like Tim Atwood, though, who's doing something great for the community, he's the bad guy. So let's ban him, and we'll just lock threads, even saying he might be a decent guy. Who, by the way, didn't come on to Nintendo Age until people were attacking him originally. Right. Because he didn't post that he owned the, the Seal Stadium events. Someone else did. It's just lovely. But the good news is that I have a feeling this got back to my pal Dane, who runs the site. Between, And I think some of even the moderators are getting upset about Some of the moderators, I some, think, are getting upset. And I think yeah. a lot of the community is. And this could only be good for Nintendo Age. Nintendo- oh, absolutely. If they clean up their act and say, we want moderators that aren't going to be fucking snarky and post in threads and then close threads. Yeah. Don't fucking post in the thread. Talk about your mouth fucking shut. Talk about absolute cowardice. Uh, Comment in a thread that you disagree in and then lock it so that no one can respond back to your stupid fucking comment. That's not how you're supposed to run a forum. No. The moderators are supposed to stay out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if you want to do a rule, like, hey, maybe the moderators, if they want to comment, they can't then control what the hell happens to the thread. Right. They've given up their right to control what happens in the thread. So, what I'm going to bring this up is because there was a point. This, this, this is, I didn't want to ever bring this up before, but I figured it was time. Why not? Because it was like four years ago. Where Dane wanted to make me an admin on the site, Nintendo H. And I was going to help run the site and do stuff behind the scenes. Or at least be more involved in the moderation of the site and... and that's when I had time, too, to do it. So I went to the moderators said, hey, what do you think about Pat coming to help with the site? And guess what Guess what the mods voted for? Your death? <laughs> Pretty much. Stoning? <laughs> so, unfortunately, you know, um, I mean, he, he guess he runs the site democratically, but Nintendo Age mods decided that Pat's no good for the site. So, from there, it was a slow downward spiral. You're a bad apple. 
And I didn't bring it up till now because I figured it had nothing to do with it. But it just goes to show you that there's an agenda with the moderators. And I'm not saying if I if I was a moderator or admin on Tenowage, everything would have been you know uh, candy and roses. But at least me and guys like Tim are on the same page. And there are a lot of people on that are on are on Nintendo Age that are members that are afraid to speak up because they're afraid of moderators coming down on them or, you know, just ostracize them from the site. If you had more people like Tim as moderators or someone with my attitude more, it would be more balanced. But, you, there, but there is no balance overall. So, it is what it is for now, but hopefully it gets cleaned up. I'll never ban you from my site, Tim. <laughs> I don't have a site. What was your site? What was your form be, Ian? Just like candy, a candy form? I have no fucking clue. A- 80s candy? I don't know what to do with the fucking internet. <laughs> Ubisoft has responded to um, division cheating, hacking, and exploit concerns. And I-, I-, I would like to start this segment by-, by kind of rolling back some of my statements that I made previously when we covered this. Um... Obviously, I want this game to be played fairly. Uh, part of my problem has always been that Ubisoft seems to rush things out the door, and at this point, they have a horrible track record for um, bugs and glitches in games. And what was really bothering me is this is a game that I, I actually enjoy playing. So I, I felt like initially it was kind of dumb for them to punish people for their mistakes. However, it is clearly stated that, you know, you're not allowed to use these exploits and things like that. Um, Controversial subject in the CEO podcast. I mean, you almost came to an arm wrestling contest. Yeah, almost. I'm sure the com- <laughs> I, that was a comment section I didn't even wade into. I'm sure it was very friendly towards me. No, uh, actually, a lot of people were saying, fuck you, Pat. Some people were disagreeing. It was actually pretty huh. split. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it comes down to, I still think Ubisoft is largely at fault for this. Um and they need to, you know, get their heads out of their asses with it. But but I do want the game to play fairly, and like I said, part of that is because I really enjoy it. And one thing I was not considering was, this is a game that I, I, I have not really touched the Dark Zone. The Dark Zone is the PvP portion of the game. Um, I've mostly done the cooperative portion where you play with other people. So to me, the exploiting to get the powerful armor while lame, not necessarily something I'd want to do. I didn't see it as really, really hurting the experience of the game for anyone. Anyway, so Ubisoft has uh, detailed what they are going to do. Uh, First thing is they are implementing uh, new programs to detect cheat engines. Now, this is not really going to affect, I don't believe, the console versions because consoles are pretty much walled gardens. Um, But this will help uh, PC players. Um, Cheat engines are things like auto aim or auto lock basic or auto shoot where like if you cursor over an enemy or, or an enemy player um it will just automatically take the shot um things that will greatly ruin the experience of even the best game for people who are playing so they're going to implement that people who are caught using these things uh, the ban used to be a mild three days now it's going to be two weeks for a first offense and they say that it will always result in a permanent ban for a second offense which I think is uh, perfectly that's, fantastic that's generous hell I might say ban them on the first offense but hey okay if yeah. you want to be the second one fine um and then they also stated that, you know, uh, they, they kind of clarified what they mean by exploits and bugs. And exploits are, you know, basically when you constantly take advantage of a bug to uh, f- for gain that will that will uh, give you an unfair advantage in the game. Whereas they're saying that if you happen to stumble upon a bug naturally over the course of playing a game, obviously they're not going to punish you. Sure. So I like that Ubisoft has come out and clarified what they're going to do, taking a harsher stance because... 
I know that the game is dividing people, but I think they've got a good thing here, and they got to make sure it doesn't fall apart. They also they also spotlighted something that I should have brought up in my defense when we had our disagreement about it was that they cannot simulate how everyone experiences the game. Sure, always players. So there's some bugs that make it through testing. You yes. can't if you bug test, you'll be there forever doing it. Sure, you can't you can't uh, predict every scenario for every sort of player unless you put it on a cartridge. Let's put it on a cartridge. <laughs> that is totally bug-free, out the door. E, can we go three months? No. Just three months now. We made it two months without it. It's like it's like those accidents at work tallies. Right. Exactly. Zero days now without mentioning <laughs> Click a Chameleon. Really Thank you, Ian. We really should get the chalk we were at, We were at like 63 days, I think. <laughs> Asshole. Anyway, so they want to have more visibility though, about what, what are the bugs out there so that... It, if we discover the bug, we communicate it, then there's less of an excuse for you to do it. Right, like, exactly. This is the, like, this is a bug that'll get you suspended or, mm. or in trouble. So I like that they're being upfront about that. Um, and, sec- and sanctions will be implemented for repeated abuse. Again, so if you do it one time and it's by accident, maybe you're curious, okay, that's fine. But if you see someone, you know, getting those, you know, weapon upgrades or whatever, like, eight times in a row, okay, you're, you have a timeout. Come on. Right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just work it, with me here a little bit. Sit in the corner, face the wall. Work with me here a little bit, people. <laughs> um, and, and, and to me, it was there is a little bit of admission of you know guilt on their part that they need to fix these issues, which is nice to see, a little humility. Sure. So, uh, overall, I think it's all good things. I'm glad it's happening. Um, like I said, I think this is going to affect more on the PC side of things. Um, but the, 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 the whole bit on the exploits will certainly um, affect the Xbox One and PS4 versions in a positive way as well. And it will make the PvP um, segment of the game something that will you know be more enticing to players again. So you're going to wait into that dark zone again? Uh, I might try. I'm probably going to get fucking killed. I think that's the YouTube comments, personally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boom. Um, so kind of on the tail end of this, and I, I think this is the exact opposite thing of, 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 of how you should handle this and this, I, I will stand behind. Um, so Dark Souls three is out, uh, fantastic game actually got me back into the series a bit. Um, Dark Souls is an incredibly hard game. Uh, it's known for being brutally difficult. You die a lot. Uh, it's about learning, um, patterns and learning just how the game plays and reacts, how you should, uh, you know, read telegraphs and things like that. This is important because your equipment is going to be a very, very big part of your success in this game. Not just your reactions, but making sure that you have the proper equipment. Um, the PC version is encountering some problems, however, where people are hacking uh, their game data to gain uh, more powerful equipment. Now, once again, I- I'm not going to be silly enough to look at this like I did the division uh, issue. Um, while I may look at Dark Souls as a single-player game, it, it really isn't. Um, people can invade your game and uh, try to kill you, uh, which obviously has penalties and setbacks to it. Um so this can really ruin, once again, the player-versus-player component of the game. Mm-hmm. Now, banning people, uh, banning people's save data who are hacking their accounts, uh, that's, that's absolutely fair. That's great. Um, I mean, you need to do that to keep the game uh, in check. The problem is, is they're going totally off the deep end here, and they are banning people uh, who receive these items, uh, whether it's knowingly or not, which that's blaming. I mean, that's blaming the victim. So if someone comes into your game and gives you an item, and you accept it, and it turns out to be a hacked item, 
Namco Bandai reserves the right to ban you, regardless of whether or not you knew that it was a hacked item. This opens up a whole new world of griefing, where people can jump in and not even try to fight you. Now they're actively trying to get your account fucked. They mean, at this point, who wants to... If you're playing the PC version, who wants to accept an item from someone now, knowing that your account and your progress may be destroyed? It's like accepting stolen property, like you still can get busted for it. Right. Yeah, so it's, I don't know, I, I feel like that's incredibly harsh. Here, take this really awesome sword, okay. <laughs> then you get banned. And I don't know what they're implementing to kind of combat this, but I, I like I said, I, I do feel bad for you know people who are, uh, you know, think they're getting a friendly gift from a stranger. At this point, it, it, I mean, you're, the, the lesson here is the lesson in real life, don't take candy from strangers. I mean, only take... Don't, don't go into that Dark Souls van. Yeah. <laughs> only take, only take you know, stuff from people you trust. I wonder if it's... I don't know. Is, are they having trouble tracking the actual people hacking the game? They're trying to go backwards and start with the people who have the... Maybe that's what... Maybe, like, all the these, these hacked weapons are with these people, and they're going to start from there and then go backwards to find... Know, it's really a strange stance. Say, oh, we're going to... We're gonna ban these people that just took a cool weapon. Well, yeah, you're, you're not you're not going after the cause; you're going after yeah. the effect, which is totally ass backwards. Is there any way out of this? Uh, I well, that's the thing. I'm sitting here trying to think of a way that they could, um, you know, conceivably, uh, you know, what, what kind of system they could put in place. But I just I, mean, I have no idea. According to this article, it even says that it warned about taking candy from strangers. That's really funny. Oh, really? I did. Yeah. Okay, I, did, <laughs> I honestly did not even see um, that. Okay. It's about okay. And a page on its knowledgeable site about the in, this invalid game data message that some players are being presented with when logging in. The publisher has now said that the warning gives players ample time to take steps to correct it once they figure out the cause. This message is to inform intended to inform end users that some external file modification of game save data, exploit or cheat slash hack or alterations of the game have been detected by the Dark Souls 3 server team, and that the end user's account profile has been flagged for further investigation. So it sounds like if you accept this shit, you will, you will know in the game that something has been altered. That's what it sounds like. That's not how I read into it. Well, is that your data will appear to them to be flagged, but it's not, it's not... No, you get the penalty warning when they've suspended your account. Unless you're inspecting your game data, which, which I it mean... It says this invalid game data uh, m- message lets you know that something fucked up has happened. To your file. Yes, but that's that's after they've already noticed it and banned you. That's not something that you see when you log back no, in. Well, well, this says it's been flagged for further investigation, so then maybe that means you can correct it or, or undo it. I don't know. Either way, it's a mess. Okay, according to this, again, this is what they put out. Um, During the time that the warning message is displayed, the end user will have a chance to completely remove any such external ah, okay. files, mods, cheats, hacks, or delete their game save if alterations were performed to it or hacked items equipment were obtained either as a direct cheat hack or via unknown gift from a player. So it sounds like you you do have a warning. But, let's see. How will they know? Well, I guess... Well, so the problem is uh, neither Bandai, Namco, nor developer from software has given any indication about exactly what software is being flagged up by their systems. It may, it may be res- restricted to the likes of a cheat, in- likes of a cheat engine, which in-, which in which case is great. Uh, so it sounds like there's, there's some weird system in place, but it's not totally clear. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, again, it comes down to trying to protect the gameplay experience of everyone, but you might be going too far in doing it. Correct. So, but it sounds like if you are playing Dark Souls, don't take care of strangers. Keep backing up your your data, maybe every hour or two hours at least, like your save. Have have these cleans, you know, going back in case you have to delete your 
your data. If you took someone's awesome shield that deflects gnome heads flying at you, I don't know anything about Dark Souls. Uh, <laughs> but just back up your data and be careful. No, Pat. <laughs> that doesn't know anything about modern games. I don't have fun playing games anymore. I will soon know because the book's just about done. So, Sony, um, and, and it, I don't think this is necessarily a secret, but this is not something definitely people did not, not a lot of people know about. I certainly didn't. Um, Sony uh, had a, was, was basically prototyping um, a, a gaming system of sorts, a TV game system of sorts, um, as early as the early 1970s. Um, and I got to tell you, it's a looker. I mean, the thing's very kind of attractive in that 1970s yeah. way. It's, Analog, baby. Yeah, it's got, a, it's got a dial on the side, a big, fun, chunky dial that looks like it would be a lot of fun to turn. Uh, some buttons on the front. Um, and uh, games would be on cards. Um, to me, as far as I can tell, this looks like it would have been a, a sort of a trivia game machine. Um, there are uh, buttons underneath. There are three buttons underneath a, a red placard that are um, answer, and then a blue button that you press for proceed. So I'm assuming that this would be used for for trivia, or you could probably do simple. Uh, you might be able to do simple other types of games with that sort of. Um, with that sort of setup. Um, and it, it's theorized that the scroll wheel would have been used to scroll through text or, or, or whatever's on screen. Um, I don't know that this would necessarily be a huge game changer, but if it had taken off and become popular, um, could it have shaken up later things? Now I, I find that I find it hard to think that if this was really a trivia machine, it could have shaken things up too much. Sony is a bigger company than some of the other companies that were putting stuff out at the time, but I don't know that it would have shaken anything up for, say, Nintendo in the future when you're looking at just completely different sort of stuff. I mean, we're talking about, like, bar games versus Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, is this technically, like, a video game system? Like, how technical do you want to get about, okay... It's not like you go from a trivia game to all of a sudden Donkey Kong. Right. The next year. Uh, there was the Omni Entertainment System in the 70s. It was eight tracks. Mm-hmm. It was a board game, though, but you use eight tracks and you had buttons to answer. So it's not too far off from something like this, except you're not using a TV screen. So um, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> it's, funny that, cause it's funny that they try to like contact Sony about this. They don't know anything about it. Like, well, oh, we have no idea. And to me, that's the more interesting part. You know, uh, why why do we not know anything about this? Well, because video games weren't taken fucking seriously. Um, I mean, you know, the, we're, we're in an era where nailing down a precise release date for Super Mario Brothers is kind of agreed upon at this point, but it took years and years and years of research to do it. No one kept track of this stuff back then. This was not considered important. So... People who worked on this are long gone. I mean, did they even make documents of of who worked on this? Who prototyped it? Who came up with the idea? How far along was it? Are these people alive? This was the early 70s. I mean, what were the age of the people who were working on it? So it's... This is why video game preservation currently is so important is be is so that we have answers to these questions fifty years from now um, when someone you know stumbles upon something that didn't receive a whole lot of press back in the day. Sure. So this came from uh, an article um, that featured pictures from the two thousand two to two thousand five Dreaming Creativity Exhibition. Uh, I guess that was in Japan. 
and it, and <clears throat> I guess uh, the founders of Honda and uh, Sony were involved with this somehow, or I believe they put on the show. They put it on. Okay, so it sounds like they probably had it laying around. Oh, let's put out some of our stuff. Right. That's been laying around for thirty years. We don't know anything about it. This looks cool. And it's in nice shape, so we're going to put it out. Right. But unfortunately, we can't tell you a goddamn thing about it. Like, it there's a little, it there's, looks nice on a there's shelf. A, there's a little placard that says, thankfully in English also, a prototype TV game machine. Then there's three sentences in Japanese that uh, I don't know translate what it means. But it's probably like, yeah, this is what we had, you know. It would have played trivia on cards, and that's it. But it probably doesn't function. They probably don't want to be cards for it anymore. No. You know, they, they probably threw this together and said, oh, this could be a cool thing in the future. But that's as far as it got, you know, unless you find, of course, unless you find the engineers that put it together, you know, uh, already 40 years ago. Well, it's an interesting piece of almost gaming history. Right. I guess say. <laughs> it's not quite gaming history. All right. Well, this came to my attention. Remember that uh, T-Scrat, that? T-Scrat. <laughs> Facebook game wheel raffle. Bullshit. Thing yes. that happened. And we said how, you know, it's basically gambling over state lines. It's not, it's It could be considered a wired fraud. You're, you're breaking local raffle laws, most likely, not to mention interstate well, well, raffle inter- laws. It's really what comes in interstate. Once yes. you cross state lines, gambling is totally illegal. Oh, yeah. Once you cross state lines. Um, so someone alerted me to the fact that there's been another scam that happened. And it was uh, alerted and talked about in, on a YouTube post. Um, Gamer Geek Nation... Not a small channel. He's got 12,000 subscribers. His name is uh, uh, DVR, I guess. That's his, his name. So uh, the group he's talking about where I guess a lot of these take place is called uh, Gamers United. Retro and new generation game wheel Wolves Den. <laughs> Wolves Den. Really? That's what they've called it? Wow. That's a great name to attach to something that already sounds shady as fuck. So in this video... Uh, DVR, that's his gentleman's name. Um, I'm assuming he's a video game collector. He's talking about, I, I guess there's... These groups don't just have one game. It sounds like they have multiple ones, I guess, at some point. So he did one called the uh, the Mega Omega, which I don't even know how this... I mean, I kind of know how it works, where there's slots, raffle slots, you PayPal, you send them evidence, hey, I bought like three slots for whatever, 20 bucks each, and then you do a randomizer and pick out the order of the people that submitted it, and here's the winners. This person won this, and then, I guess in this case, like, there was six games in this raffle, and then the, the order went, the first person who got picked, picked theirs, and, you know, you select sure. like, their draft. So, the games featured here, all, you know, heavy hitters, uh, Little Samson, DuckTales 2, Bubble Bobble 2, Bonk's Adventure, Flintstones Dinosaur Peak, Panic Restaurant, and Mighty Final Fight. So, all these games are like, what, 200 or more? You're going. With, with a lot... So you have people that want to get these games. Maybe they can't afford to spend the 800 on a Little Samson or the 800 on a Flintstones Dinosaur Peak, but a dollar and a dream. Or in this case, probably a lot more than a dollar. 10, 20. So DVR here talks about the fact that they everyone sent the money, they, they, they spat out the winners, and he, I think, was the second place winner, so he chose Little Samson. He chose Little Samson. Um, oh, by the way, they, the way they try to get around this is that you don't, you're not purchasing a raffle. You're buying a picture. You're, you're buying a cheat code, 180 cheat codes, cheat codes at twenty dollars each, and those cheat codes just happen to help you 
act as a raffle ticket on the side. Well, it was like the, it was like the previous one where you weren't buy, you weren't paying to be in the raffle. You were literally there yeah. buy you were buying a JPEG. Yeah. And and, and and oh, you might get a chance to win something on the side as a yeah. consolation for buying this beautiful picture. Cuz that'll hold up in a court. Yeah. Um so so uh, this gentleman DVR won this. There's yeah, there's these virtual dice roll. I'm not gonna get into it, but he he, he won this. A uh, little Samson. Oh, he was number maybe number one, whatever. Uh, and of course, all of a sudden, the individual running this particular raffle, PayPal account gets locked up. So all of a sudden, hey, I don't have the funds to send you any any games. He may not even have the games. He probably didn't. It's a scam. So. Should you be pissed if this happened to you? Yeah, you should be pissed, but you shouldn't be surprised. Right, this is like happens. this is the equivalent of playing back alley dice. This is the equivalent of shooting craps on the street, and someone comes up and mugs mugs the game with a gun and say, "Give me your money." And it's like, well, you're pissed about it, but are you really shocked it happened? Right, because it's not regulated, and that's what this comes back to. We can argue back and forth about whether you think it's legal to hold raffles because churches get away with it or charities do it. You can argue that, hey, it really is legit because you're not really buying a raffle ticket. You're buying a JPEG, blah, 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 blah. You want to argue argue that? That's fine. But you can't argue that this fucking shit is regulated right? because it's not. And that's always the differentiator between uh, gambling that I'm okay with and gambling that's not because if it's not regulated, you're going to get fucked. You can get scammed easily, and here it happens. Right, and it happened before with the oh, we raffling for an NWC card that someone's nonplussed about opening out of the box. You know, it's like it, people are greedy. People will want to take advantage of you, especially in the collecting community where people want to get you know get ahead by if they were using it as well. I want to get Little Samson. I want to get Flintstones Dinosaur Peak. Peak. They're gonna prey upon you. Yes. Because then it becomes it's not just it's not just money it's this whole system of, of uh, prestige and I want to build myself up so they're preying upon your your um, your inherent collecting nature and the fact that you want to sort of do your best to get all those games so so it's like this perfect storm of being able to scam people at that point and that's what bothers me about it yeah but it, but will it stop it no it'll still happen people will still do this. Either, because for most people, most people say, "Oh yeah, well for me, I got the games." And for sure, you did, but other people are getting fucked because it's not regulated. And I just can't. I'm just. I'm not down with it. I'm just not. No, and testimonial means nothing. I mean, in, in anything, whether it's science or, or what. I mean, testimonial means nothing. Oh, it worked for me. Yeah, but at any point in time, that's called building trust. You run. You run three game wheels that 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 are legit, and then you scam on the fourth one and run off with the cash. So. I don't know. To me, it's it's yeah. I, I you have to play. It sucks, but you're really playing this at your own risk. If you're gonna, now, if you want to say, "Well, I'm doing with people I know," you want to then you're risking a lot less. You're, you're only risking your friend fucking you over versus a perfect stranger in cases like this. Correct. You want to do that's fine. It's like that's like holding your own uh, poker game at your house. If you know everyone's coming over, you know everyone's not going to fuck over the person next. Yeah. To you. Of course, there's always that one shady person that gets invited by someone else. You know that maybe you're like, okay, this is you know this is kind of shady. This person is, but overall, then you're safer. But you know, again, it's just another warning that be very, very careful when you're doing this stuff, and not and not because of the legality, 
obviously you're not going to get you know if, if the FBI or anyone else ever came after you, they're not going to come after the people that place the bets for me. They're going to come after the people that are running them and getting tens of thousands of dollars. Those are the people that they're going to coming back, back right. after first for back taxes, but then second they'll come after them for for you know wire wire fraud or some sort or interstate gambling or something like that. So just a word of warning. You want to do it, that's fine, but don't be surprised if you get fucked. This portion of the CU Podcast is sponsored by the LaunchBox Games Database, an online database for managing your retro games collection. It's free and community-moderated, so check it out at gamesdb.launchbox-app.com. This is very interesting. So we've, we're finally at a point where we might get some pretty cool Virtual Boy emulation, and it's going to be done uh, rather cheaply. Um, so using Google Cardboard... Uh, there is now a way to emulate the Virtual Boy. Now, if you don't know what Google Cardboard is, um, it is, well, what it sounds like. It is a set of goggles that you make. Uh, you can buy them, um, and you fold them up, and you make yourself a little set of goggles out of cardboard. And they have two eye lenses in them. And there is a spot to fit a uh, smartphone. Uh, most smartphones will 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 work for this. I think like you know the the big Apple ones or whatever. You know you can't use it or whatever. Oh, you but... can't you can't use like the giant S sixes that are. Like, no, it's got to be something. It's got to be, like, be something that fits. Okay. Um, but what it does is it creates a very low budget but pretty neat. I've used it before. Uh, you know, quote unquote VR experience. Why don't I have one of these? I don't know. Just buy one. I mean, it's it's fun. It's on it, eBay. Yeah. It, I mean, no. I mean, just go to Am- you can go to Amazon and get one for like a dollar fifty. Really? Yes. Um, and they have like different ones that are more comfortable, ones that are better for people with glasses, etc. So it's very neat. Um, you know, it's 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 convincing. Twenty for, bucks. It's convinc- for, a, for a plastic one. Yeah. So it's very convincing. For <laughs> Pat's just learning and having shop. a blast. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's very fun, um, and it would be perfect for something like this. So now, uh, using RetroArch or Arch um, emulation software, uh, they have discovered a way with uh, minor adjustments to uh, you throw the ROMs on an Android phone, um, you use this emulation software, you uh, put it in your uh, Google Cardboard and grab yourself a Bluetooth controller, and boom, you're playing Virtual Boy games, and it's going to look like it does on the Virtual Boy. And the cool thing about this is, um, it displays the games in grayscale instead of red. Oh my god! Which that's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, eyes. I mean, especially for someone like uh, if you're colorblind, um, you know, where the red is causing even more eye strain than than the system already did. Uh, these this is a much cooler color to look at. It's not going to hurt your. It's oh, not going to hurt sure. your eyes. Uh, they even stated that after playing for about half an hour, uh, the person in this article because that they they had no eye strain or anything like that. Which is which is insane because I cannot play more than fifteen minutes of Virtual Boy. No, ever. I got to put it down. It's, I, it's really awful. And I'm not gonna. I, I mean, I've always said this about the Virtual Boy. It has some really neat and fun games on it. It's just that it's a pain in the fucking ass to use. So the uh, RetroArch emulator, I guess set you can say that's what the Retron Five has used some of. I think, excuse me, borrowed. I think that's what they they borrowed a few of them. Well, I know I know for Super Nintendo it was like SNES 9X, but anyways. Uh, so yeah, there's been retro. I mean, excuse me, retro. There's been Virtual Boy emulators for a year, but yes. What's the point of playing a, a Virtual Boy game without the 3D? Sort of like now you're just playing a crappy. You know, LCD game or whatever. <laughs> Basically, almost. You know what I mean? It's like you want to try to do the 3D. 
So like I said, I've he- I'd heard of Google Cardboard. I had no idea what it actually was. It just sounds like the poor man's 3D. That still p- gets the job done. Yeah, it's fun. That, that sounds fantastic. It's very neat. So you know what? I'm going to go out and buy this $16.30 uh, VR box, which is plastic with a head strap. And it probably... I'll try this at some point. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing is with... I mean, if you're using an iPhone, you're not going to be able to do it. Then you know what? I'm not going to buy the $16.30 VR box. Porn. It says iPhone in the description, though. Not for not for the... Uh, no, I'm talking about you're not going to be able to do the Virtual Boy stuff. Oh, that's not for iPhone? No, because it's emulation. Oh, you try to get the emulator. Yeah, a- Androids you can just hack and dump ROMs Damn onto. It. The iPhone's too can I get? Out. Well, I want to get an Android tablet. Can I just paste the tablet no, on my face? No, I just told you you can't use can the I big get, iPhone. <laughs> can, I, can I get a TV and strap it? No. I, that sounds dirty. Can I get a TV and strap it? Can I Anyways. strap it on? So, so are you going to try this? Um, if I had an Android phone, I totally would. I might borrow my friend's Android phone and do it, because I actually have a Google Cardboard set at home. What do you use it for right now? What Nothing. It was given to me for free. I, the only thing I've ever done on it was a little roller coaster simulation app, and it was, it was a lot of fun. No, no. <laughs> Crazy coaster. Do you know I just got a, a, a 3D uh, imager? Did I tell you that? No. In the box? Like crazy. Not the coaster. Yeah, but that's nuts. That's 3D Monster when it comes with. Oh, you didn't know that. I did a trade. Oh. Oh, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying. I'm trying to work it into the topic. Let us know in the comments if you think Pat's bragging. But also let us know if you've had Google Glass. <laughs> Google Glass? No. Cardboard. Yes. Cardboard. Is, is it stop becoming cardboard if it's not actually cardboard anymore? That's what I know. If it's a plastic version of cardboard, is it cardboard? <laughs> Can we just stop move point? on, please? <laughs> is it like the generic, like Vaseline and petroleum jelly? Does it matter? It's a, it's, it's a, ge- a generic trademark. Ian's starting this topic where he says, I don't care either way. <laughs> I, I, well, th- what are, are we going to get a segment out of this? Let's see. Uh, so, Nintendo is releasing a pack of skins for the Wii U edition of Minecraft that give you some Mario skins, some Mario music, and a Mario world. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about that other than that. Um, I mean, so it'll give you some items like POW blocks that will allow you to blow up things. Um, What's more interesting to me is that they're they're throwing this skin pack at you, yet Minecraft Wii U uh, completely missed all the opportunities to make itself uh, interesting. So all crafting is still done on the TV screen like it would be really? on the... Yeah, it, it, does, it does not use the fucking tablet for anything. Well, that's up to the developers, though. That's not up to Nintendo. Well, no, I know, but I'm just saying, like, it's just... Well, I'm not sure who did the skin pack. Probably the developers, too. I just don't understand why the Wii U Minecraft uh, isn't making use of the tablet, because that would be... Perfect. I'd actually, I, I might actually give a shit if I didn't need to learn all the fucking commands. Like yeah. if I could just drag and drop and craft, that would be fun. If you're not familiar with Minecraft, it's like Legoland, but virtual. This is so sad. <laughs> and you chop up wood, and you get rocks and stuff, and you build houses, and 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 you <laughs> you make your own weapons, and you use animals you can take care of or slay. The world is randomized, and it's basically endless. <laughs> and you can do whatever you want. And I tried playing it with Ian one time, and I had to put the control down after two minutes. Uh, it's just not for me. It's nope. just, it just isn't for me. It's probably not for Ian, too. It's, it's a, not for me. It, I'm not saying... it should. If it was for us, we could have started a huge YouTube channel with, with 20 million subscribers just us watching us play Minecraft. But that's not us. Maybe the skin pack that's coming okay. out, that well, was the topic of the segment. Well, let's talk about the this, this skin pack and not me failing to describe Minecraft to people. 
And by the way, the guy who sold it is now a, g- a gabillion jillionaire who sold it to Microsoft after he said he wasn't going to sell it ever. But I'd sell it too for like 25 billion bucks, whatever he got. Anyway, so the Nintendo said the material is inspired by Super Mario World, Super Mario 64, and Super Mario Sunshine. And you can dress up as Mario, Luigi, and Prince- Princess Peach. Or mischievous foes like Bowser and Wario, or Toad in his delightful treasure tracker gear. I'm just advertising the game now for everyone. So the Wii U edition launches on June 17th, which will cost 30 bucks and come with a Super Mario pack on the disc. I guess if you've never experienced <laughs> Minecraft, now's your chance. If you love if you love Mario, buy it on a dying well, system. But this isn't the. F- Instead of, like, the PS4, there's a thriving community where you can play with other people. Well, what's interesting, though, is that... No, it's not interesting. No. (laughs) (laughs) You're griefing on this segment. What's interesting, though, is that... Don't they have, like, a Minecraft... Not Minecraft. Don't they have, like, a Halo pack? Or other games have their similar sort of packs that are... There's tons of skin packs. I don't know what what ones exist, but yes. So it's interesting that Minecraft has bridged all these different consoles and developers to say, oh, we're going to work with everyone, and Nintendo doesn't give a shit, because because they figure, oh, we're just going to sell it, you know, whatever. That, yeah. that didn't... You, know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Can, you think, can you think of any other game where that happens, where it bridges the gap between different developers and consoles? like that? No, but because it's specific to the Wii U and they're not universal servers, it's, I mean, it's, oh, not, so really, it's not really bridging any gaps. You're not going to see the Halo skins no. on the Wii U no. version. Okay, yes. I, I try to bring up an interesting point, but it actually wasn't at all. No, but that, that was my whole point. Like that, that, To further the fact that it doesn't make use of any of the Wii U's features, this, this is a game that's about community and playing with each other. Why would... I mean, is this supposed uh, to entice people to play it on a, a system that's not going to have a user base for it? So we got we got four minutes out of this segment. All right, but what's interesting? I'll just end with this, and I'll help I'll help <laughs> I'll help. Uh, shout out to my pal Brennelfloss, who one of his last uh, short videos he did was about Minecraft, and it was clever. Spoilers, it, it, you know, it's like Minecraft's a wondrous world where you can create anything, and then all of it is just uh, shots of dick monuments that are built one after the other, <laughs> and that's what people do in Minecraft. Because at the end of the day, we're very phallic, mm-hmm. our society. Yeah. So I went to the movies, part of my birthday weekend. Today's my birthday. Wish me happy birthday in the comments, and then, you know, talk about my hair. I don't know. But Captain America Civil War came out over the weekend. And I saw it with Frank. Frank had not been to the movie theater in four years. Since Avengers, Since too, Avengers. Right? Since Avengers. Oh. And this is a guy that loves the Nolan Batman trilogy. He thinks... Dark Knight Rises is one of the best movies he's ever seen. And he's serious. I think it's an okay movie. I think Dark Knight's a lot better. Anyway, I couldn't get him in the theaters to see that. Couldn't get him to see that when that came out, what? Uh, that came out, what? Uh, da, 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 a few years ago? Three yeah. years ago, whatever it was. Or more. Uh, couldn't get him to see that. So it's interesting that I got Frank to see this. He had, he came over literally two days before when I had it on, I had it on DVR. Um, Age of Ultron, since he didn't see that. And you really need to see Age of Ultron before uh, Civil War. Uh, you think? That. Yes, absolutely, you do. I, you do. People in the comments agree, but you do have to see Age of Ultron. And Avengers, you should. Uh, other than that, maybe Winter Soldier to a smaller degree. Anyway, so he saw the best. Oh, no, okay. Like, you're, no, I'm sorry. Yes, absolutely, you're right. You have yeah, to see Okay. You have to see that. So he, came, he went to the movies with me. We checked out our new movie theater nearby, which me and Ian were gushing about before. And I saw Captain America Civil War. And it it lived up to the hype. It was a very good movie. 
Was it my favorite uh, MCU movie? I might have to stick with, with Winter Soldier for that. I stick with Winter Soldier, actually. Because this is what I'm going to say, and people say you're crazy. Winter Soldier was a better movie, but I enjoyed Civil War more. Um, I can objectively say that. That uh, Winter Soldier had a tighter narrative, because obviously there's only a couple of characters you have to worry about. Um, it was It was a better sort of through line of what's going on. Even though it weaved in and out, it was like, okay, there's a somewhat of a linear plot we're following here with twists and turns. Uh, Civil War had to juggle about three or four subplots. Characters coming in and out, and maybe, you know, subplots not being as... maybe as, as gifted with a bow as much as you'd like, you know? Uh, for example, like Vision and Scarlet Witch is, a, is one prime example of that. And then plus you had to deal with bringing in and introducing uh, Black Panther and trying to have him weave through the story, which they mostly were successful for, but I'll get into that, but, and of course, introducing Spider-Man. But otherwise, it, to me, it's unbelievable that the Russo brothers managed to do what they did with this movie. Sure. And have it stand. It, it's, and it's, not have it crumble under its own weight. It's a feat. Um, it's definitely a feat for sure. Um, I, I, I would have to say that, yes, Winter Soldier is the easy pick for me still as my number one. Um, I greatly enjoyed Civil War. Um, the action was tight and fantastic. Oh, my God. Uh, it also had far more action than I expected. If you've ever read the Civil War comic, um, it's it's there's there's and this is something that I did miss. I wish there was a little bit more pondering, I guess, on on the on the. Um, on the uh, the morality of these these Sokovia Accords, as they called them in the movie, but the action was fantastic. Every single action scene was was mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and what was amazing to me was how they balanced the tone and the mood of the movie. It starts pretty serious, and then it gets pretty lighthearted. I mean, to a degree, in the center of the movie. I mean, I'm not saying it turns into a fucking slapstick comedy, but there's there's levity, something that there's levity, there's some, almost a levity. Yes. So, something that they always that that, that critics uh, you know uh, smashed uh, Batman vs Superman for. Um, there there was levity in in this movie in 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 spots where it was needed. There were still laughs. Um, I mean, there are going to be minor spoilers here as we talk, obviously. No, there's going to be spoilers. Spoilers, okay. spoilers, 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 spoilers. Know that. Put it in the fucking headline so people don't cry about it uh, in, the, in, the, in the link. Um, but the middle fight scene, where the, the airport fight scene. Uh, and, the, and the second act, basically. Yeah. Fantastic uh, action. Um, had impact and weight in terms of the story, but also had some of the funniest one-liners uh, during uh, the film. Yes, it's been hyperbole, but it, that is the, the finest superhero fight ever put on screen. Yeah, it's well, it's incredible. There's not even a close second. No. Because uh, because you had to balance 12 characters, have them all get their shots, and so to speak, and, sh- and use their powers, but then use it in conjunction with other heroes, and, and have it all make sense, and have the fight geographically make sense at the same time, and have clear objectives between what one character is doing to help another one, to avoid another character, and to pull that all off, the choreography of doing that, whilst, like I said, still having the characters show their personality while they fight, and why they are fighting. For example, Spider-Man is saying, you're doing something bad according to Mr. Stark, I yes. want to stop you. Right. Well, Captain America trying to explain why, why you why you fighting here. You know, 
that is on paper that could seem easy, but in actuality, that to me was incredible. That fight scene. When we talked about Winter Soldier years ago, two years ago, um, we commended them for their directing and how at any given time during an action scene, you knew who was where and what was going on. And the, the street, the street fight, which was based yes. off the of heat. Yes. yes. When I went into this movie, I I went in saying in my head. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to see if they can pull it off because, and they did. I, you basically knew what was going on at all times, um, which is incredible for an ensemble. This is also where the movie does falter a little bit for me. And don't get me wrong. The movie was great. Um, Winter Soldier had a much clearer idea. I think of what was going on. Uh, because you could focus on the story of just a few characters, like you had mentioned earlier, and this is a sticking point for me. This was like Avengers two point five. Sure, this was a Captain America movie, yes, but it was still heavily focused on ensemble. And when you have an ensemble, at least for me, I always find myself wishing I could know a little bit more about what's going on with the other characters. And that, even at two and a half hours, um. The Vision Scarlet Witch one is a big one. I just wish there had been a little bit more. I wish there had been a little bit more um, Clint Barton. I wish there had been more Hawkeye. Because Hawkeye, in my opinion, has gotten better and better with each movie. And he's becoming more and more, even though his life in his background is different in the the Marvel movie universe, he's becoming more and more the character that I love in the comics. And I I really enjoy Hawkeye for that reason, and I wish they had done more with Hawkeye. Spider-Man, of course, he was only going to... I mean, Spider-Man was integral to the airport fight, but I understand why. You gotta introduce him little by little by little. And by the way, pitch fucking perfect. Um, I mean, my wife, who does not particularly like Spider-Man... As we're leaving the theater, goes. I've never been so excited for a Spider-Man movie in my life. I mean, she's she's all on board with this guy. Um, but let me just before we jump back to you, my other problem with the movie is the ending. Um, and it's it's the actual. I mean, the well. Let me let me commend it for something first. I really love how this movie. Uh, kind of subverted you. There really was no big villain other than the internal fighting. Um, they lead you and lead you on that they're going to be fighting these five other winter, winter soldiers. soldiers at the end. And they they leave it to the last minute when they finally get to where they're, they're being held. And they all have bullets in their head. Because the main bad guy is a wimpy little shrimp of a of an ex-commander who um you know his family was 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 killed in Sokovia during Avengers 2 and uh you know there there was no there there was no climatic battle with a you know with a a a, ma- a major super uh, super villain it was Iron Man and Captain America fighting each other um so i found that to be I, I can't quite put it in words, but I just think that's fantastic that up until the last moment, you think they're going to find a way oh, to pull yeah. out a big supervillain oh, set yeah. piece, and, and they, they don't. They say, mm-hmm. So that's great. My problem is 
Afterwards, I started to wonder where are you going with this and how are you going to end it? And I don't think they knew how to either. Oh, okay. I, this is where I, I think you're not seeing the. They set up the entire future. Of oh, the, no, of the I, I see, but I, oh. I'm just talking about the immediate ending. I just. I, I know they're setting things up, but the whole cell phone and the letter thing, it was just like, well, we got to put a fucking bow on this somewhere. This is why I love this movie. And, and I will see it again. Maybe when I see it again, I might like it as much as Winter Soldier. It'll inch closer to it. Because of, of exactly that. There is no... This isn't like, oh, the world's going to end. This isn't like, we have to stop this. They thought it was, but it wasn't. Right. The villain was beautiful. Yeah, I, I agree. After having... After almost every fucking major Marvel villain in these movies being a giant fucking robot, or another robot they got to beat, or Ultron, or aliens, it's just a guy who wants revenge, and he does it in an intelligent way, Yep, and it's brilliantly... Throughout the film, a mystery of what the hell this guy is doing because you don't know what he's doing. Right. It's scene after after scene with him getting getting the code book for Winter Soldier. He actually fucking kills a, a member of Hydra to get it. Yep. So he's 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 going after the a bad guy and getting it, and then the whole the whole plan with the uh, the bomb at the UN, and then that, and then killing the guy to make pretend he's the the, the psychologist talking to Winter Soldier. He's very intelligent, but he says at the end of the movie, I know I can't beat these guys. With These guys, they'll, they'll kill me. Ultron couldn't beat them. I can't beat them. Right. They're going to beat themselves. Brilliant. Yeah. No, I thought that it was, was fantastic. A red, that was a red herring that I don't think anyone saw coming. Nope. That you said, oh, they're going to get Iron Man, Winter Soldier, and Captain America. They're going to fight these Winter Soldiers, and then something's going to happen where they have to beat each other up. Oh, no, no, no. See, I was, I, I mean, I think, and I, I, I was hoping and I thought that the movie would be smarter than to do this, but especially after the whole Batman versus Superman, we're, we're going to fight yeah. each other and then, oh, no, oh, no, no, we're going to fight Doomsday Now we're going to fight Doomsday because, no, you know, you, no, they didn't. Um, there, there never was that reconciliation point oh. where the, all of a sudden you had to fight it oh. and they teased it the whole goddamn time. Yes. And that's what made the movie brilliant. Like I said, don't take it the wrong way. I don't think the movie wasn't. And yes, I know they set it up. I just... The whole, I just, I don't, I guess I don't know how you could have ended it better, but I just, it, it just seemed to wrap up so quick in those last five minutes. Well, here's the thing. The runtime, they probably cut 15 minutes out of this. Yes. This is where, but this movie flew by. Oh, yeah. There it was, does, it there does was, seem like a two and a half hour movie. There was movie. really only four action scenes in the movie. Yeah, yeah it the, the felt intro, like it the, was packed. The great intro where you saw the Avenger team, the new Avenger team uh, going down to, to Lagos. Uh, you had the the Black Panther chasing after I love Winter Black Soldier. Panther, and that was. Can I just say how awesome it was that you actually bought the fact that they were running like twenty five, thirty miles an hour in between cars, and it actually looked like they were doing that. Yep. Like, so that was a second fight scene. Obviously, you have the uh, huge uh, airport fight, mm-hmm. which was like twenty minutes long. It flew by, um, and then you have, you have the last intimate fight. Oh, don't which, forget the stairwell fight. Was that was that leading up to the chasing Winter Soldier? That was all one. Big yeah, sequence? it was. But I, I I look at it separately because the choreography in that stairwell fight was fucking. Fantastic. Was that also? Oh, so that was all. That was all one big sequence. Then. I think it was. That's yeah. the thing. The, the 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 fight sequences in this and the non-fight sequences just flowed so yes. easily into each other that it's actually unlike most movies, it's really hard to chop it up into fight dialogue, fight dialogue, fight dialogue. But this is why this is why I love this movie. Because they didn't go for the okay, we have we blew our wad in the back too with this awesome superhero fight, which we haven't even really talked about that fight, what happens in it. So then the last final fight will be a letdown. No, the last the final fight was even more devastating to watch. Yeah, that was that, it, it was nuts. Did you think they were gonna kill someone off? 
I kind of thought they might go I, crazy and kill off Bucky. I thought that they might, but the emotional... This is why the, I love the Russo brothers, because I always maintain killing off a character while it takes a TV bit of balls is the cheapest way to get heat. Sure, sure. They got heat without killing off a major character. No. They th- got just as much heat, if not more. Uh, and and the even I knew they weren't killing off War Machine if they showed it in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, so that to me was just as devastating because he's fucking paralyzed. Yeah. That's really bad. Right. And the, the, even, I mean, even if even if if Stark and Hulk help him out with his technology, which he shows at the end, he's paralyzed. But I, I loved even War Machine said, "Yeah, well, I signed up for this. I believed in it. I love the fact that they made it clear with every single one of those characters why they were motivated." To pick the side they were doing. Yep. That was extremely important. Uh, maybe to a lesser extent. If you want to say to a lesser extent. Ant-Man. Ant- well, he hates authority. And yeah. he loves Captain America. If you want to say that. But everyone else had a clear reason. And to keep it realistic. I mean. that you, you and They've built her character to be this way. But it was very. It was. It was I think it was telegraphed from a mile away. But it was also good that they had. The um, conflicted um, Black Widow. Black Widow. Yeah, that worked well. Yes, that, and it made sense, and it was great because she she sided with Tony for once, and that's where I liked again is that the, the movie didn't didn't force you to take one side or the other. It just said here's here's the motivations of both. We've laid them all out, and you choose. And maybe you don't make a choice. Maybe you think there's good points. I think there's good points to both. I think this is this is great. This isn't a black or white thing to me. Then that's what that's what's so heartbreaking in that final battle is that. You're watching two people fight. Where I, I didn't have, I didn't have a. a I could see both their points. Well, you know, it was it was nuts, and especially with that reveal at the end, which I I'm not going to be say I'm smarter than, than other people. But I've seen people say they didn't see that coming. I saw it coming. I think it was telegraphed for me personally. Uh, the twist at the end, which was that Winter Soldier kills, uh, was the one that killed the Stark the Stark parents back in '91. Um, it didn't they, blow my mind, but I, it wasn't really at the forefront. I, I mean, I, didn't, well, I, don't, I don't think I necessarily I, saw it coming. I put it together after, first of all, the beginning of the movie, where they showed the, the de-aged Robert Downey Jr. when he was like 18, which was amazing effects. Right. That was, yeah, it was. incredible. I, I, I scrutinized that. as soon. I, I, I literally just looked at his face. I'm like, this is amazing. What, what is this? What, is, what are we watching? Weird Science again? Yeah. Like 85, 86? <laughs> I mean, they did it in Ant Man with Michael Douglas, and it was convincing there too mm-hmm. to, to, to de-age him to about I don't know forty ish, forty five ish. But here, you're taking thirty years off the guy's life. Robert Downey Jr. is like fifty years old; he's like a teenager there. So when he mentioned that was the last time I saw him on the way to the airport, and then they cut to, you know, the car, and then bug. I'm like, okay, that I put it together then, but it still didn't lessen the impact of seeing it. I won't ask plot hole why there was a closed circuit television on the road there. That happened to, to you know tape the the accident. I thought they mentioned it. I thought Did they, they. I thought they I mentioned that it. there was. I, I, I could have sworn there was a mention that there was because I think it was a road near their house. And I think okay, there's security so cameras okay. on the on the road. So I, have to, I must have missed that. But I could be wrong. Still, but I seem to recall that, that scene. Even the reveal was beautifully done and fucking brutal. brutal. Yeah, the fact that and the fact that like Bucky Bucky knows he did it and knows he can't say anything and you find out that, that Steve knows it and Steve didn't want to say anything it was so tragic because all the reasons for keeping it secret were valid yes because the result was uh, Tony goes nuts and rightfully so right and, says, I, and, he says, and he says I don't I don't give a shit if he didn't know it he killed my mom right and you and you understand that like if you were in this situation you'd probably say yeah fuck you I'm gonna kill you too 
I don't right. care if you were brainwashed. You deserve to die. And Bucky had was responsible for other deaths that had happened, you know, and people that gotten hurt when they were escaping and things like that nature. So yeah, maybe Bucky should have been killed. It would have prevented prevented other people from. These are the questions that the that the movie brings up. I I will say though that the fact that it did turn it from a morality at the end to well, he killed my parents. See that that, was, that, that did bother me. Yes, a be, little bit because all of a sudden that whole Sokovia stuff it shifts from being um, moralistic to personal. Yes. I understand that, but it seemed like they, they did sort of patch up to that point, though. So you need something, I think, extreme to co- have them come to blows. And there's nothing more extreme than you killed my parents. Sure. And seeing it on screen was, holy shit, they actually showed Bucky. They didn't shy away from saying doing it off screen. They showed, no, here's Bucky. You like Bucky? You're about to see him kill two people in cold blood. And they showed it. Yep. Just smashing the father's head in, and then the mom screaming, and then he just chokes her. I mean, it was fucking... One of the most brutal things I've seen in a... In a, in a Marvel, in a Marvel movie. movie. Yeah. Just by how visceral it was, and Tony has, is just looking at it, and like... And you, you, I think there was like a slight violin swell only. It was all, mostly silent when that yeah. happened. You're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. This is gonna go down. Like, and this is not gonna be fun and pretty. And it wasn't pretty. And even then, the movie didn't ask you to pick a side. Right. It even went into, like, Tony's helmet when 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 uh, his AI is telling him you can't beat him one-on-one. So it's actually like, wow, it, it, it's like Tony's now the protagonist fighting these villains and trying to get Bucky, but then Captain America's trying to save Bucky. The balancing act they did for you to not to take a side, at least at least, at least the, 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 the writers and directors not taking a side, to me was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, right down the middle. Sure. Like, half the movie is Stark trying to play politics, trying to hold the team together and not throw Cap in jail. Like he's on the phone, like holy, like fuck, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep us together, and you're out in Germany, you know, beating up the German SWAT team with Bucky. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, what do you think? Like, it's just a tragedy that you see just unwind slowly throughout. You know, so to me, that's even better structure than at the start. Well, we just don't like each other uh, because we both disagree and go at it, or for the whole movie, it's just it winds its way through, and all the whole time they're both trying to make it up or. Even at the airport, it's like, come on, just, just come on, let's come on, right? And it's like, no, no, absolutely not. The cap's like, absolutely not. So real quick, we we you touched on Spider Man, how much Brian was pleased. Imagine how pleased I was. Sure, Spider Man's my favorite one. And they had to do it quick. The introduction, I love the introduction. The introduction was good. I love the fact that they just assume you know how fucking Spider Man got his powers. You've seen it twice in the past fifteen yep. years. As, but they still alluded to it though. So, and Tony's like, "How'd you get this?" Ah, it's like, like this thing happened. Yeah, but he keeps interrupting him, which I thought yeah, was yeah, funny. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was a very big meta joke. Was we don't need to go over your fucking origin again. Yeah, this thing happened, and I go the sensory overload, <laughs> and then they bring up the webs real quick, and he said, "Yeah, I made them. I make that." Yep. Thank fucking. You must have loved the little. Was it an Apple II or Macintosh in the corner? It was a little Macintosh. It was a Macintosh. Yeah. So here's the thing that I didn't. I. I realized he had an accent, a New York accent, which it clicked with me, but I, I watched Kevin Smith talk about it. It's actually a Queens accent. Uh, oh, really? A specific Queens accent, which I, I'm not too familiar with. That That's brilliant because Tony McGuire never had a New York accent. No. And neither did Andrew Garfield. Mm-mm. And he's a kid growing up in Queens. Of course he'd have a New York accent. It's something so simple that you take for granted. And it adds so much more to the character that now you can't. I can't imagine him with not having it. Whenever I read Spider-Man before, I never read it with that accent, but I should have. Yes, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. But that's only something Marvel has thought of once mm-hmm. they got the character. That's why it's so important that Marvel has the, the character, character because they really fucking care about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is the best Spider-Man on film ever. Oh, yeah. I know it's only been well if you count the the TV show one, 
Uh, perfect as Peter. Perfect as Spider-Man. I always said that Andrew Garfield was pretty good or, or good as Spider-Man. Perfect as Spider-Man. Perfect because, again, he's a kid, but he's carefree. The quips, stopping Bucky's bionic arm and saying, oh, you got a mental arm. Right. That's so cool. <laughs> That's something Spider-Man would do. Because he can get away with it because he's so powerful. All the other heroes, Captain America can't really stop that arm. But he's also a kid. I mean, he legit- he's also a kid. So he's he's he loves... So it, you see the wonder of Spider-Man while he's getting into it for the first time with his characters around him. But he's more powerful than them. Maybe he doesn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. But he... Just beautiful. Like, the fact that Spider-Man took out Winter Soldier and Falcon... And yeah. while he, while bothering the shit out of them, that was never done. That was never shown in the Ray movies at all. That taunting to that to that extent, and really not even with Andrew Garfield. Again, against the Falcon. By the way, Falcon was badass in this. Oh yeah, he was all fantastic. the facts of them making Falcon's wings as as a shield, Field. and they're moving. And of course, the drone is, is fantastic. Uh, Red, Red Wing. Wing. Love what they done with Falcon. Love what they done with him. But. Spider-Man was absolute perfection. I don't care that they put him in just to set up the the movie next year because I'm. It was fantastic, and of course a little, and of course the great Captain America little Spider-Man fight was mm-hmm. insane. And of course, I can't imagine if I was living in Brooklyn or Queens, but their exchange, hey kid, where are you from? Uh, Queens, Brooklyn. Yeah. Just a little heartwarming <laughs> little moment to humanize both characters and let you know these are people. These aren't just like you know action figures in the scene. There's humanity to these characters. Yeah. And real quick though, the the one. Part, I do not think they did a great job with again uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch, especially in that battle. They're so powerful, you almost forgot that they were there because what? How can you keep those two characters busy while everything else is going on? Well, I love yeah. Scarlet Witch, but yeah, I mean, what they did for her was they basically kept her busy by making sure not everything was destroyed. Yeah, yeah, was falling on people. But Vision could take care of most of those guys by himself if you really wanted. I feel like Vision was probably the weakest portrayed in that movie. I I I like first of all I liked how he was portrayed. I think Paul Bettany's doing a great job with it. No, he is. I, I just, I mean, uh, the weakest represented is maybe the a better yeah, way to put it. Th- he doesn't have a lot to do and and he was sort of Dropped into Age of Ultron out of nowhere. Here you go, take Vision. Like we have to introduce him. Um, so they had to do something with him. But the story arc with him and Scarlet Witch to me is sort of like, why does he like her again? Like because they made food together. I, they try to drop that. Well, she has a humanity that he's interested in because other people are scared of her because she's powerful. I understand that, but it wasn't fleshed out enough for me mm-hmm. to get behind it. Right. But otherwise, I love the Vision character in the movies. I still do. No, I think he's, um, I think he's great. And I, I love the Scarlet Witch character. And this is I, what I touched upon with ensemble movies. I wish I wish we could have delved a little bit deeper. But at two and a half, I mean, at two and a half hours, you, you, can't, you can't be making Return of the King here. Yes. And I, I'm hoping there's going to be a, uh, a director's cut. Let's talk about Black Panther real quick. We only talked about it. Great character. Great introduction. Again, I love the fact that we need a fucking origin dropped in the middle of the movie. It's you know he, he, it, he it, it's introduced it as as the actions going. Uh, Black Panther is not just me. It's been a, ge- a protector for gener- Wakanda for it's generations. Like the, it's like, it's like the Phantom, basically. Yeah, exactly. From the old pulps, we're getting um, passed down. I can't remember the actor's name. I can't remember anyone. Chad Bozeman. Right. Okay. And I couldn't. Who's already done James Brown and Jackie Robinson? Now he's Black Panther. Like he's um, blowing up this this kid. He's he was awesome. Yeah. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I wish. I wish he had more to do in the third act. Yes, exactly. 
I almost felt like they, they should have just not had him, in, had him at all in the third act because it was sort of like his only character arc went from I want revenge, I want revenge, well, I see what you've done to these other people, so I now feel I don't need revenge anymore. I thought it was good. It was just because he had so little to do in the beginning of the third act, it was just kind of dropped in. Yes. I understand, though. And he, they needed a hero to be there to do the functions that he did. Uh, to, yes, to, to, to not give uh, Zemo the, the easy way out of, of committing suicide. Right. Which is heroic, you know, itself. He could have killed the guy easily. You expect him to just kill the guy. Like, no, well, well, he was going to, and then, you, I mean, he retracts his claws. Yeah, because and... you heard the reason for him to doing it, and you're like, well, this is actually a sympathetic villain, which are always the best villain. It's like, yeah. he lost his family to these superheroes. And remember the beginning of the movie, Tony Stark, her, her, you know, losing the son. So it's like, you know. The mo- the, again, the motivations for all the characters were there. The action was great. Uh, Paul Rudd is fantastic as Ant-Man. Yes. If you've not seen Ant-Man, you've seen I it. haven't, but I mean, Holy he was fuck. great in that. Holy and, fuck. In the, this movie. It's funny, because when Frank saw that, he asked who it was. He thought it was Deadpool. <laughs> I'm like, Frank, that's a different movie. It's not Deadpool. I told you that. you got to see Ant-Man. Paul Rudd is just magical. I, I mean, I plan on it. Um, shaking your hand too long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the giant man. I'm I am your conscience, <laughs> but he's running through uh, Iron Man suit. And I marked out when he was giant man and went whoa when he was, when he held it. Who was he holding in his hand? Was it War uh, Machine? Uh, yes, yeah. That, he flings War Machine they, again. Him and Spider Man brought the levity to it mm-hmm. on opposite sides that you needed for that battle. Yep. So it wasn't just. And again, I don't know about this movie. It was all shot in daylight. There was no scenes at night. And the effects were fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you could see everything clearly. Yep. And Spider-Man was great. Can I just say Spider-Man was great? Because Spider-Man was great. And I'm, I, 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 again, I'm, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. Like, like Ian touched upon that Vani said that I didn't give a shit. I was not really looking forward to this amazing, amazing Spider-Man movie. I was like, well, I got to see him. I really want to see Homecoming. Like, now. Yeah. I want to see him now. Oh, yeah. I, I could, uh, Tom I could've... Holland did a fantastic job. And, and That's his name. Yeah, Tom Holland. I'm forgetting all the actor names. Great chemistry with... with uh, Robert Downey Jr., which is why you're going to have Iron Man in Homecoming, at least, and some other villains might show up. Great job. We're going on forever for this. Like So, again, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I might have enjoyed it more than Winter Soldier, but I think Winter Soldier was a better crafted film. But I, I'm not faulting the Rooster Brothers for that at all because there was so much more they had a on, on, you know, they had a balance, like, juggling act with this movie. I, I mean, yeah, I, and, and that's where I stand, too. Winter Soldier was an extremely tight-packed narrative just perfectly done this it's it's flaw was in the very nature of the story i think in that it had to have been an ensemble movie and for me ensemble movies are never going to be as good as more tightly focused on uh one or two or three character movies and that that last fight scene was brutal but i loved it like Mm -hmm. it had to be that brutal yeah just bloody and they even had that one shot from civil war where the shield against the the uh the beam the beams coming out so anyway you know what was not a a great movie (laughs) So, <laughs> so, so, we're going to go from joy to 180 time, 360. No, I'm sorry. This is joyous. It's joyous because I want someone to please try to continue to defend Zack Snyder to me. Because in a two, so you want, you want to know where like this is coming from. Um, Zack Snyder, like his current universe in a 2008 interview. Zack Snyder was talking about when he got into comics and how he couldn't get into normal comics because there wasn't any killing or sex and how that's why Watchmen appealed to him. It wasn't the fucking intellect. He said it wasn't the highbrowness of the comic. It wasn't, it wasn't the intellect in the comic. It was because it offered killing and sex, whereas normal comics which, didn't do that. Which is, again, why I think Zack Snyder directed a great 
story into an average or slightly above average film because of that. So he also stated they talked about they asked him about what they thought about the beginning of Nolan's Batman trilogy. At this point in time, it would have been this was uh, a, this was an interview with Entertainment Weekly, by the yeah, way. This was, I believe, before Dark Knight, but definitely after Batman Begins. Yes. Which I really enjoyed. I still enjoy Batman Begins a lot. It's just a pure superhero movie before it got, um, well, even more uh, intelligent and better. Um, they asked him about it, and he was like, oh, so... Can I read this quote? Um, I, I want to... No, no. I, 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 I'll, I'll read it. Let me read it. Okay. You could call it highbrow comics, but to me, that comic book was just pretty sexy, talking about Watchmen. I had a buddy who tried getting me into normal comics, but I was all like... No one is having sex or killing each other. This isn't really doing it for me. I was a little broken that way. So when Watchmen came along, I was, this is more my scene. And you are just fuck. You're, you're, that's not why Watchmen is cool. No, yeah. It's not the sex <laughs> and the violence. It's not at all. So let's continue on. Mm. So when asked about Batman no. Begins, and here we go. This is why. Oh, and this explains Sucker Punch, which is just nothing but a fucking rape fantasy. Everyone says that about Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. Hey, Batman's dark. I'm like, no, Batman's cool. He gets to go to a Tibetan monastery and be trained by ninjas. Okay, I want to do that. But he doesn't, like, get raped in prison. That could happen in my movie. If you want to talk about dark, that's how it would go. The man is obsessed with rape. Holy fuck. Did Warner Brothers see this interview before entrusting him with their fucking whole entire multi-billion-dollar movie universe? I don't know, but did, did you see that? Did you see that the, the the director of the Flash walked? Did he walk? Oh, is he gone for good? Oh, the come? director of the Flash walked recently, last week. Are you serious? Yes, it's actually at the beginning of the article. Um, it's uh, blah, 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 blah. Seth Graham Smith. Yeah, what did you see? Left he the project. Left the project. Yep. Citing creative. Differences. differences, and there is, uh, there's, there, there was rumor that James Wan, the director of the Aquaman movie, was getting cold feet. Although he, he, he denied that. But still, it sounds like there's a lot of turmoil in there. Which, Wonder fucking why? Uh, yeah, and this also explains the uh, quick assignment of Ben Affleck to, uh, I believe, co, co, co-executive co producer, producer of uh, the Justice League movies. Because you need to get this crazy, loony, fucking, rape-obsessed fucking asshole off of your goddamn movies before no one wants to touch a DC property ever again. You know what, people out there? When we rail on this stuff, we are not DC haters. We are not Marvel fanboys. We Again, I'll say it every time. We want to see good movies. And I'll say it again. I love the Batman trilogy, even though I think Dark Knight... Rise is a little shaky. I love those movies. My my current comic book poll is more DC uh, than Marvel. I have the original Superman DVD out there, which is I still maintain one of the best superhero movies of all time, the original Superman by Richard Donner, who was a great director. It's out there on my shelf. You can see it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do not want to say we told you so when this shit happens, but we saw this coming fucking day one. Galaxies, not miles, galaxies away we saw this coming. <laughs> yes. Galaxies. So yes, this is what happened, and this and they made this public for a reason because this could have been behind the scenes. They could have done this without letting anyone know. Yeah, they said uh, Ben Affleck, please, fucking hold Zack Snyder's hand and keep his fucking ass in line because we're about to put out these movies. And by the way, Batman v Superman underperformed. It's not even going to reach nine hundred nine hundred million. 
They expected at least a reach, at least a billion it had to reach to it's, be successful. At it's least. not going to break even. It's not going to break even, but it's disappointing. Yeah, that I think it only made one million the past weekend. Like it's just done. It's absolutely done. Right. Like, it's absolutely. I, I know it's been out for five weeks already, but no one gives a shit about it. They need any sort of momentum. So yeah, Affleck's going to come on to executive produce, but they even said they in their statement, War Brothers said. To help guide it with Zack Snyder, you know, to make sure the writing and directing is as good as it can be. Basically saying, we don't fucking trust you, Zack Snyder, because you fucked us on Batman v Superman. Right. That was it. There's no other... If there are two big shots in the DC Universe, Batman v Superman, underperformed with them fighting each other, then Justice League may not do nearly as well, or might do worse. Especially since, critically, it got panned. And reportedly... Reportedly, you saw it on fucking. It's now a meme of Affleck's face. Sad Affleck. Sad Affleck. I feel so bad for the I fucking feel, guy. because he was the only thing when people liked was that, Affleck. That's, that's what I've heard. Uh, even as a, even as a shitty branding people for murder Batman, yes, he was supposedly the, the best, the, the bright shining but, fucking beacon of the film. But supposedly Affleck was humiliated. Yeah, reportedly humiliated that this movie got panned critically. Because he expect because he doesn't want to be he's through that part of his career he's through the daredevils and yeah. Jersey Girl part of his career where he was laughed at he's made a comeback with the town the town was so good and the one he just uh, Argo that he won best director for I or not to be to be nominated for best director I did not see Argo but I did uh, see the town and the town was lovely so it I mean great movie he's made a comeback both as an actor and as a director and as someone respected again and now all of a sudden the. All that you in a shitty fucking blockbuster movie. It's it's two thousand three all over again with Daredevil. That's what he's thinking. Yeah, and Warner Brothers knows that they have to placate him, or else he could walk. Oh, he was also supposedly upset that they revealed the fact that the solo Batman movie was, was going to be uh, coming before it was official. So he so yeah. He's, so it sounds like he's not happy at all. Warner Brothers. No. If you told me ten years ago that I was going to find Ben Affleck a sympathetic character, I yes. would have laughed. But I feel—I really do feel for the guy here. Did you see him when uh, Henry Cavill had an answer about the bad critique? He, he looks like he wants to jump out the window. No, yeah, he was. And Cavill's like, "Well, you know, people are passionate and trying to give the answer." And Affleck's like, "I can't believe I'm sitting here. Yeah, I can't believe this is thirty percent of Rotten Tomatoes. I can't, I can't believe, I can't I'm believe I did this movie." Um. So yeah, oh yeah, Argo won Best Picture. That's right. Uh, but didn't win Best Director, but got nominated. So, holy shit, Rape in a Batman Begins movie. Just to do I it. wonder what Nolan thinks. I wonder if, what Nolan thought. Well, Nolan's like the, not really involved with this. He's sort of like producer on the outside, but he's not yeah. really involved directly. Here's some money. You think Nolan, like, when he met Snyder, was like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you. The side, like, you're just a fucking hack. I can't believe Warren Brothers is hiring you. Yeah. Because I can't picture someone in Nolan's pedigree being okay with hiring Zack Snyder to shepherd the entire DC movie universe. No. I can't imagine it. Neither can I. So, that's all. I mean, anyone we say about this? Rape in a Batman movie? And we, this is a guy doing Justice League. We told you so. We told you he so. He probably doesn't understand the reason for the rape scene that was in Watchmen. Right. You know, there's a reason for that scene. It wasn't cool. No. And the violence wasn't there to be cool. Which is, again, why you, you, went from a, you went from a fucking graphic novel of Watchmen where the action was supposed to be just brutal for a point to, we'll, we'll do slow-mo fight scenes that didn't happen in the comics, like in the prison. Uh, this doesn't get it at all. So Affleck, yes, uh, I want you to turn this around and basically, you know, it'd be great if they basically just keep his name attached, but then throw him off the set. They've done that in movies before. It's like, oh yeah, you know, with the, with the with the director's guild, we have to say you're a part of this movie, but right. you're actually staying your fucking trailer. I'm mm-hmm. Affleck. I'm going to direct the the, the the movie. Right. 
That would be the best thing for it. Yes. So, YouTube drama has been a topic we brought up the uh, past few weeks and because of Markiplier and PewDiePie talking about it. And our pal Grade A Under A talked about it, about YouTube drama and why um, there's a difference between drama and actually spreading the word on something that's important that you should know about. And that's how I want to sort of couch this, this conversation we're about to have. So in his uh, really uh, lively video, Grade A Under A, after really viciously attacking uh, Markiplier, he probably went a little over the top, Great, You went a little over the top, I'll say that. But I still love you. Uh, but your points were still valid. He viciously called out Matthew Santoro. I mean, viciously. Uh, Matthew Santoro is a guy that's grown in prominence the past couple of years. I think he has half a million YouTube subscribers. Jesus. He does the edutainment sort of genre where it's like, hey guys, you're talking about the top ten, you know, scariest serial killers of the 20th century or the top 10 weird science facts that you didn't know, you know, like stuff like that where it's, they're list based. Right. Um, for the most part. And these type of videos haven't done before. Maybe not list based, but, uh, my, my, like Vsauce, for example, they do like these sciencey based intelligent videos that are also entertaining, entertaining and people love them. And they like to learn. People like to learn and like to be entertained. And when you combine it and make it fun, People are all there for it. Yeah. So Matthew Santoro has built his YouTube empire upon doing this. The problem is, Grady points out, probably plagiarized a lot of those videos from other websites, including one called Listverse. So if you go to Listverse, Ian, mm-hmm. you can literally look up articles of lists. For example, the top ten alleged the battles between humans and aliens. What the fuck? Okay. I want to read that right now. Sure. The top 10 ordinary things people did that turned horribly disastrous. 10 controversial artifacts that could have changed history. Ten, uh, uh, 10 bizarre ways scientists believe aliens are contact. So this is a website where they hire writers to go research this stuff. Probably from Google, Wikipedia. You know, you click on an article and it lays out these cool facts for you. And there's bizarre, entertainment, general knowledge, lifestyle, science, society. Uh, this is cool content. People have spent time and people were hired to write these articles. So what Grade alleges in his video, alleges he shows a, a list that Matthew did that were exactly the same, where uh, Matthew Santoro sounds like Listverse is his go-to place for his, his one-stop one shop for his videos, where he'll just go to there, find the list, and make a video version of that list and run it down top to bottom. That's not cool. It's plagiarism. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's a word for that. It's plagiarism. Um. So, uh, Grade called him out. Matthew Santoro then responded saying, I appreciate everyone's concern. I'll let you know that going forward, I'm going to be citing all my future videos and going back and citing all my past videos. That's great. It's still plagiarism. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you cite something. It's still plagiarism. There's a rule when when you use sources of information you only can use a certain amount. Yeah, I was going to say, a citation, if you're writing a paper, a citation has a very specific sort of boundaries in terms of what you can use. Yes. You cannot cite an entire paper and just be like, cool, it's mine. That doesn't fucking yeah. work. You, Same thing for a video. You can't just say, I'm using this person's... Li-. It's still plagiarism. So, to me, I sort of look at this as getting caught with PEDs in baseball. 
Because Matthew Santoros built a YouTube empire now off of other people's work. And so what? He got caught. He already has all the subscribers. He already has millions of views and is making a ton of money doing it. So what if he's humiliated a little, he's humiliated a little bit by grade and by others now? And plus, there's other people videos pointing out the other videos, more specifically, that he's also uh, ripped off from Lispers. Lispers even came out and said, yeah, we've been concerned about this, about people doing this, because they pay people to write those articles. And now here's a guy uh, making money off of Lispers and maybe other sites that he shouldn't be doing. So the problem is he's still there. He's not going to stop doing it. That's, right. that's, what he's, that's how he built his empire. But... How is it allowed to get to this point? That's the issue. Why are other YouTubers not... They, other YouTubers might know about this stuff, but they're afraid to talk about it. That's the that's where we're going to get into. So, uh, Boogie2988 is a big YouTuber. Um, a million subscribers or more. He talks about stuff going on on YouTube. He talks about game stuff. He does his Francis rants. He does unboxing videos. He did a video that he's pulled down. He did a couple videos. The first video, he basically wanted to look at grade A versus Matthew Santoro and try to be objective. He pointed out at the beginning of the video that he's on friendly terms with Matthew Santoro. So right mm-hmm. there, you know that, okay, it could be a bias coming in. But by the end of the video, whether he consciously realized it or not, and I wish the video was still there so I could, I could other people can look at it, he basically defends Matthew Santoro in the video saying, I see it being cool because he's going to start citing sources and then everything's going to be fine. Not realizing the fact that it's still extremely wrong. You can't undo the fact that he ripped off all the people in the past and there's going to be no penalty for it at all. Right. And again, citing a source doesn't mean plagiarism is good. It just isn't. That'd be, that'd be like, uh, okay, I, I take a book and I just do an audio version of the book and it's mine now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not transformative. That's not how it works. That's not fair use. No, turn, turning text into a video is, is not right. You're not making it your own thing. Absolutely not. I can't... I can't uh, uh, take the script from Captain America Civil War and read it on YouTube. That's still copyright infringement. Yeah. You can't do it. It's not mine. So, he, uh, Boogie298 got a lot of backlash for that video because it seemed like he was supporting Matthew Santoro. And honestly, when I watched it, it seemed like he was tiptoeing around it, but it seemed like he was, well, he was trying to say, yeah, everything's cool. It's not a big deal. So, we had to put out a second video basically saying he doesn't want to talk. Boogie298 doesn't want to talk about drama anymore and he's done with it and he won't talk about. Uh, he apologized to Matthew Santoro. He apologized to PewDiePie and Markiplier and anyone else. That could have been drama-released. I, I forget if he apologized to the Fine Brothers in there. I hope he didn't because uh, there's no reason to. So we're in, a, we're in a state now where you have YouTubers that are huge. That are now coming out and saying drama channels are bad. For whatever reason, whether they don't want to be spotlighted on themselves or don't want their friends to be spotlighted. But now you have other bigger YouTubers that seem to be, for one reason or another, unwilling or afraid to call out other big YouTubers for right. bullshit that they're doing. Because they either know them or afraid that if they call out, and Boogie298 said in this video, I don't want other YouTubers to look at me like that, they have to be afraid of me. Because I might talk about stuff they're doing. Um, which I understand. Because sometimes with us, I feel like we could get into that situation at some point. Mm-hmm. Or some, maybe some, someone we know is doing something shitty. That if we talk about it, then maybe they'll look at us in a different way or be afraid to say, oh, maybe Pat and Ian will talk about us. But what I'm going to say, though, is this. Is that if people do bad shit, you have to call, out, have to call them out on it. Yeah, you can't let fucking fucked up stuff slide. Especially when it's YouTube. <clears throat> and it, YouTube's still in this infancy 
where there is no self-policing being done, really. And this is the start of it. Guys like H3H3 going off on prank channels. Uh, guys like Grade A talking about reaction videos and how awful they are. Or, or in this case, talking uh, about Matthew Santoro and alleged plagiarism of, of other people's work. This is important. People have to know this stuff is happening. People had to have known what the Fine Brothers were trying to do, what right. they were doing. It's important work to be done. And the bigger voice you have, I feel you have a bigger responsibility to let that be known. Now, if you want to say, well, it's not worth it's not worth it for me because the potential drama people, I, fine, I understand that. But I'm just going to say this then. I, I'm disappointed. I'm just disappointed. Because uh, we, don't, we don't have that as big as voice of people like, like Boogie or, or Grade A. And I feel like if, if those people aren't the ones saying it, then it doesn't matter. You, you can get away with it, and there's no justice. I hate to say it. Yeah. It's sad. And you don't have – the thing about it is you don't have to let it devolve into schoolyard drama. You can call something out for being bullshit and then not carry it on over weeks and months. Sure. You can call something out and you can walk away from it, but you need to still bring it to the attention of, 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 of people so they know. That doesn't mean that you have to keep dipping back into it, Sure, but you should call it out I think and, you have respons- that out. You have a responsibility. And I hate it gets to the point where, well, I don't want to offend bigger YouTubers. That. Then what? What is it, an oligarchy? Then at that point, you got to be afraid of people at the top, and they can get away with whatever they can. Right at that point, that's what it sounds like. <sighs> um, so, not to get into more about Mantis and Tora, but I've heard other things about him that are not uh, pleasing. We'll just say, um, allegedly, allegedly, he was at VidCon um, and was during a panel. Um, talking about uh, the panel was, let's see not sure the name of the panel but basically he said in a panel with other edutainment YouTubers that um, that Randall Santoro said it was okay being wrong with information in the video and that the research he did was scant and that it was up to the audiences to figure out what was the truth or not no it's BS, they come to you looking for truthful information and, and uh, so supposedly at this panel, which it seems like there's no video evidence of since Matthew Santoro had a vlog of it himself, then took it down off his Instagram. That's incriminating. Um, people on the panel disagreed with him about it. So if anyone out there has this panel, sounds like it was from uh, VidCom, VidCom with Matthew Santoro, I'd love to see it because it'd be another piece of incriminating evidence uh, to show you the, the, the modus operandi of what he's doing. But again... I gotta be afraid of him now because I'm pointing out something wrong. No, I, I don't agree with that. I, I think it, here's the problem. Again, with, with self policing, like comedians self police. If you're a hack comedian, if you steal, yeah, you, you are run out of the community. Yep. But for a while though, there was one big comedian that got away with it. There was actually two for a while. One to a lesser degree though, uh, but the bigger one was Carl Mencia. Yeah. So Carl Mencia was stealing jokes from several comedians and he was getting he was rising in popularity year after year he had a big show on Comedy Central remember, yep. remember at the Chappelle show yeah Mind they, of Mencia they slid in Mind of Mencia basically in the same slot it was on for like four years and it was the same sort of you know humor uh, you know racial but more Mexican Hispanic uh, and he was huge he was the biggest probably comedian for like two three four years and no one was talking about this guy being a joke stealer 
But finally, Joe Rogan, only guy, stood up. And Joe Rogan was a guy at that time, wasn't the biggest comedian. He was doing UFC stuff. He was coming off of that uh, the series on NBC, I forget. He was doing uh, the reality show as well. Um, off Peter Packer. Rogan, he spoke up, and he could have got crushed. Yeah, and that's the reason why other comedians said, "I don't want to, I don't want to cross Carlos Mencia. He's he's got a, a lot of sway." But Rogan pounded on it and said, "This guy, you're a joke stealer. You don't deserve anything that you have. I'm going to talk about it." And eventually, it stuck. Yeah. And eventually, Mencia, he's well, not, he, he's he's nowhere to be found anymore. His show uh, after a while, after those stuff was gone, uh, other comedians finally said, "You know what? I'm going to uh, stand with Joe Rogan and say, oh yeah, you used to be stealing my jokes for years, but I was afraid to talk about it.'" And Mencia is now supposedly a guy who goes to therapy about this stuff, which, hate to say it, you did it. You stole the jokes. You got your money. You got to live with it. Right. So the point is, is that it's not drama if people are doing shitty stuff and you call them out on it. Sure. You have to. It's, it's Yeah, it's not drama. It, it's, well, it's policing. If people in the community harass GameStop employees, we're going to talk about it. Oh, yeah. We will. Yep. Well, I don't care about the repercussions. Never going to fucking stop. So... That's what it comes down to. Sorry to say. So I hope, uh, Boogie, if you're out there, I, I didn't want this to sound harsh because I do like what you do, but I hope you reconsider and figure out the difference between self-policing that should be done on YouTube and saying no more drama because there is a difference. And when people do really bad stuff, it, it has you You need bigger spotlights to come on to it. All right, Q&A time. All right. On the <laughs> CU Podcast. This is from Nixa Music. Will there be any interest in our NES collections in a hundred years? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I I, I agree. Um, I have a feeling. I mean, we've talked about this before, but just like I, I feel like investing in this stuff is a very short-sighted thing. Uh, it, in years, yes, this is not going to be um, something that is going to interest a wide variety of people. I don't think. I'm trying to think of a parallel. Me too. I'm trying as well, but like, I don't know, a Tin Soldier collection? I was going to go with the older, remember before the records, they had this, the, the, the cans that were, that were playing? Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. On the old Edison uh-huh. phonographs from like 1910, mm-hmm. 1908. Physical media is going to mean less and less as generations go by. Yeah. You already see it disappearing now. Yeah, they still sell Blu-rays with DVDs packed in. But do you honestly think in 20, 30 years people are going to be bothering with Blu-rays? I don't see it. It's all going to be digital download. Mm-hmm. People are already turning off of cable and just doing Netflix. You know, they're already done with that. They're already... So Netflix is just all... You know, you imagine yourself buying a TV box set anymore? I got four seasons of Scrubs on DVD that I will never watch again that are collecting dust. Sure. Yeah. There's no need for it. Nope. Hulu Plus, Amazon Prime, Netflix. You yeah. can get it all. There's there's very little that I will own on DVD, and it just has to be something that I really, really like. Um, and, I mean, you know, there probably are people who still, I can't remember what the fucking called, who who want those cylinders. There probably are people who yes. want those 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 tin soldiers. But, but, no, there is not going to be this interest like there is now. People are going to look at this like, I don't know, any other toys that have fallen by the wayside that people have no interest in. I just don't see it. There, there's going to be interest in the history of video games, but there's going to be less interest in the actual holding on of, of holding on to the cart. Especially since when you think about it, like all this stuff's going to be backed up. I mean, it already is on on emulators. 
and uh, downloadable titles on you know the, the 20th iteration or whatever the NX is going to be 100 years from now. So they're all going to be somewhere. Right. They're all going to be playable. They're all going to, you know what I mean? All the copyrights are going to be expired on all these games, too. So it's all going to be legal to own them all on... Uh, someone can come out with something where, you know, uh, 100 years from now, all these games are legal on my home console. It'll be a little mini Nintendo. A mini Nintendo with a little flat, and it goes to your holographic TV, and it'll cost you 25 screw-apples, whatever the currency is going to be. You know what I mean? But the point is that the copyright won't matter in 100 years on any of this stuff. Uh, physical media will be dead or dying. It'll be like those weirdos that want to go wreck. <clears throat> we want to go back to the early 2000s and, and how they lived. You know what I mean? Like It'll be like this weird thing. Yes. Just thinking about what I'll be like 100 years from now. If I'd be into that or not or what. You know what I'm saying? So You're going to want a two-way pager. So I'm going to say I'm gonna say before you turn 140 years old, you might want to sell your collection off. Because it's, yeah. it won't have the same value. No. Except for, well... NWC probably will be like that one relic, but maybe. Stay events? Hopefully not. No. All right. Uh, this is from at MF, MF Snakes MF Plane. Oh, I see. Motherfucking Snakes, Motherfucking Plane. That's actually funny. Do you notice a difference between retro collectors of different systems? I collect for Dreamcast and noticed a scene for some. Um, yes, I do notice differences, uh, although I have to say that I noticed differences between collectors uh, a lot more, um, you know, say five, ten years ago. Um, you had your arcade junkies who, you know, loved the Dreamcast. Uh, you have um, people who are a bit more obsessed, I think, with collecting full sets uh, with the NES. You have your... You know, uh, collectors who are doing it because, you know, it's the one system they had and they were kind of the outsider with the master system. You see mm-hmm. people who were collecting Turbo Graphics, not because they had the Turbo Graphics, but a lot of people because it to them was uncharted territory that no one touched. Um, I feel like as time goes on, though, and more and more people are exposed to these consoles, I feel like it does become a little homogenized. I'm not going to say that there's not differences in collectors. Sega collectors, to me, definitely seem to be a little bit more about playing games, whereas your Nintendo collectors seem... And I'm not, I'm not trying to say all, or I'm not trying to generalize entirely. I'm just trying to speak from where I sit behind the counter. You know, your Nintendo collectors are going to be more picky about condition and, and things like that. I have a lot more Genesis collectors who are like, I don't care if it's loose or box, I just want to play it. Yeah. Um, I would say if you want to talk about collectors that are more likely to actually play their games, yeah, I would probably lean towards the Sega folks, Master System, Genesis, Trouble Graphics 16, they will play those games. Sure. They got to seek out those games, pay a lot of money for them. They're probably going to play them, more than likely. The NES... Has I think is has this sort of negative now connotation saying you collect NES because it's such a vast library and such so, and, and because it's probably the, in terms of value it's the highest monetarily of all the retro games you know pound for pound sure and the fact that it's so varied and hard to collect for versus the other systems aside from those like handful of Atari twenty six hundred games there's like five that exist but you know what I'm saying yes that. It, it draws that type of collector that it's it's like the biggest challenge sure. to, go, to go for that. And so to complete an NES collection is like, you, you complete a Sega Master System collection, so what? 
Super excuse me, excuse me, even a Super Nintendo, it's like, is it that hard, really? But the challenge, the draw, there's there's this sort of like, uh, you put on a pedestal, I think, with the NES. So I'd say overall, the NES collectors, yeah, they, they are less likely to play their games. I've seen it myself. I've seen it. Sure. I mean, when you're buying that many games, and honestly, when two-thirds of the library is probably dodgy. Well, half, according to a certain NES guidebook. I feel like you were a little soft. Anyways. <laughs> I was a little soft on some of my interviews? Yes. Yeah. Really? Which one was I soft on? I, I, I just feel like overall, you, you erred on the side of overlooking minor minor. Minor things. So you would have made I, I a half been, star less. I might, on yes. some? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, wow. But let's just say, let's just say, that not, hurts you. not really. It's not controversy. It's opinion. Um, and everyone's allowed to have one. I only gave two stars to Ice Climber. Oh, I like that game. See, was it like too soft there? No. Well, yeah. No, you were too harsh there. What would you give it? Two and a half? I'd give it two and a half. Uh, it's really only, the only thing I don't like about Ice Climber is the jumping. And, but that's the whole game, but though. Get, but you get used to it. It's just something that in your brain. But it, the it entire gimmick of the difficulty is built on the bad jumping mechanic. That's fair enough. So whatever. So that's where you were too soft. Anyway, that's an aside. For more on Ice Climber, uh, go see, go read Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library. Available with digital download right now at ultimatenes.com. Sorry, what were we saying? Uh, <laughs> next question. <laughs> uh, this is from Flock Member Thirty Seven. Uh, Please talk about the recent WWE firings. Okay. I don't know these. So they hadn't done yeah. a big Black Friday of firing since two years ago when they got rid of like 10 guys. They got rid of like eight people uh, recently. They got rid of that, uh, what was her name? Cameron was one of the funk- Funkadactyls. She was terrible. Oh, uh, yeah. Remember Naomi and Cameron was the other one? Yeah, yeah. I think she won an NXT somehow. Oh, no, she was the first one gone from NXT that year, but they yeah. still signed her. Um,. So they got rid of her. They got rid of some other folks where I was like, you know, honestly, so what? I can't remember them right now. Who most of them were, I'll bring them up. But the one person they got rid of that really fucking annoyed me was Damien Sandow. I loved that guy. Damien Sandow was a guy that wrestled in other regions, went to Puerto Rico, I think in Mexico too. Really tried to hone his craft before coming to the WWE. So he comes to the WWE... They gave him a fucking throwback gimmick. Like, basically a mix between... It was the genius... Mix between the, like, the genius and... Um, what was it? What was it? Matt Stryker, like, like the edu- teacher. You know. Where he's a know-it-all. He wears the robe. You know. He we- he holds the microphone like a, go- like a goblet. Like, yep. Excuse me! Like, trying to educate the masses and how stupid they are. And he threw himself behind the gimmick, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And it was entertaining, and it got over. Somehow, it got over when it should exist. Because it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have, because it, it should have been a gimmick from, like, 91. Yep. And he got it over. So not only did he get it over, he put on some good matches. He was very solid in the ring. He was good with ring psychology. Yep. I remember watching matches with him taking on Sheamus that were, like, 15-minute matches, like, on SmackDown, I think, where... She- where where Sandow got in most of the most of the offense in the match and was really working body parts and was really putting together a good match, and but this is a guy with an awful gimmick that's doing this. Mm-hmm. So they they had confidence at, with him at one point, so much so that he won the Money in the Bank a couple of years ago. People forget. Yep, he won the Money in the Bank, which at one point meant you were guaranteed to be either WWE champion or World Heavyweight champion. But unfortunately, they must have soured on him because he was the first guy that to win the, the, the briefcase that fucking lost it. 
first or second when John Cena won it and lost it. John Cena was the only guy that uh, cashed in and lost it. But Sandow lost it to Cena, who was champion at the time. And it was unfortunate because that was the beginning of his burial because Cena in uh, kayfabe was injured, could barely come out, and still beat Damian Sandow. So at that point, Sandow, you know, went downhill. He was put in a very entertaining uh, tag team with uh, Cody Rhodes as Rhodes Scholars. I mm-hmm. remember that. It was it was better than it should have been. Yes. obviously, everything he did was, was better, better than, than, than it should have been, been. which then, speaks to his talent. And then, of course, they sides they they saddle him as a sidekick with Miz and make him an impersonator, Miz Dow, which again got way over. Yep, it was hysterical. It was funny. It was a bullshit uh, gimmick that any other wrestler would have been insulted with, but he made it his own, and people fucking loved him. Yep. But then, of course, that goes nowhere. He did a quick feud with with, with The Miz, and after that, he disappears. Then he comes back with uh, Curtis Axel. They try to do the Axelmania thing, where one's, uh, one was uh, Hogan, the other one was a Savage. But then when Hogan got in trouble, they, they did that. Then they sent him away again. And then he was basically off TV for the past, like, nine months. Basically, until yeah, I, I don't even remember the Axelmania stuff. Honestly, it was it was like three weeks. They just said promos. I don't think they oh, wrestled. Okay. But then he came back like three weeks ago on a throwaway Raw thing. Where I forget what it even was, but it was one of those things where he wasn't even introduced. You know, coming down, the, it was like already at ringside at, at the ring. It was just a setup, like a, the competitor getting waylaid by someone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? One of those sort of yeah, 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 yeah. So they, they introduced Damian Sandler, though. He got a huge pop. Like it was like. Oh my God, it's Damien Sandow. We remember we love this guy. And Sandow was like like this, like, yeah, yeah, you guys like me. <laughs> and then they let him go, and it's like, what what, do you, what what point do you realize that a guy is overachieving and that you should keep a guy or at least reward him or do something with him? He didn't bulk. I mean, as far as we know, he didn't bulk at any of the bullshit gimmicks you settled him with. In fact, he threw everything he had behind him and made, as we've already stated, Gimmicks that should never have worked work in his favor. Yeah, it was the same thing that they did with the three-man band. They were getting over. Yep. And they got rid of two of them. Junior Mahal uh, and McIntyre, who's now like the TNA champion, or I think, or one of them. You know. Just really fucking weird. And it's just, every time this happens, I just get, I'm just, I'm just really glad that I'm not a pro wrestler. Besides the fact that, you know, it kills your body, but the fact that it doesn't even sound like if you're good at what you do, you can be successful. There's so many weird political machinations. It's all politics. And politics that I probably would not want to do or be involved with. Oh, they got rid of uh, El Torito. They got rid of Hornswoggle. They weren't using either of them. That makes sense. But supposedly there's more firings to come. Uh, supposedly Ryback's going to be one. Uh, believe it or not, it's rumored that they're starting to uh, slash his merchandise. Because supposedly he spoke out about McMahon about he wanted. I don't like Ryback as a wrestler. Really, I don't like him as a person. From what, I, from what I've heard, no, I don't like Ryback at all. Uh, but from this, he has a point. But it's unfortunate because whenever you try this, you get stomped on. Reportedly, he went to McMahon and said, "I really think wrestlers should be paid compensated for their, their hotel, which they should." Yes, uh, but they're not, which is bullshit. And of course, that's never going to happen because you know why? You know that's too much money to give out. So Ryback's going to be gone too. They're probably going to get rid of guys like I'm guessing guys like Swagger. They'll get rid of. Yeah, he's done. The Ascension have gone nowhere. Right. Uh, Fandango they brought up back recently to try to do something with, but he's he was like one note gimmick who had his day in the sun uh, a couple years ago. 
Social outcasts have gone nowhere, uh, really. I don't even know who they are. Adam Rose, I think, was suspended for uh, some sort of drugs, but he m- maintains it was something medical. So he might be on the outs, even though Randy, Randy Orton failed like 75 drug tests. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Another reason why I don't like watching wrestling, because it's just depressing when you see the, the good guys of the business get shit on and don't go anywhere. All right, at Pieces of Bits, would we you have been successful with Super Mario Maker, Smash Brothers, or Mario Kart as a launch title? Um, I definitely think it would have moved more units with something big along those lines at, at, at launch. Um, especially if you want to just dream, if you had Super Mario Maker, Smash Brothers, and Mario Kart as launch titles, yeah, it certainly would have moved a lot more units. Um, Nintendo does have an issue, uh, and they, they have for quite some time now, with having a launch lineup that entices people. The same thing happened with the 3DS, to the point where they had to slash the price of the system to get it into people's hands and give away a boatload of free games to placate the people who bought it early on. Um, But the issue is, Nintendo is obsessed with quality. Um, Their products, their games are generally synonymous with it, especially their big-name games, especially things like Super Mario, Smash Brothers, and Mario Kart. When a system is in its infancy, when it's launched, yes, they've had dev kits for a while and they can work with it, but they're not able to necessarily put out the most polished product. And I think that's something that people often forget when they wonder, well, why didn't you just put Smash out with the system when it came out? It would have moved units. Yeah, but it probably would not have been nearly as polished or as per- near near perfect of a game as as it is now. Same thing with Mario Kart. They need those games to come out in the middle of the system's lifespan when they've really perfected the polish on their product. The marketing was abysmal. For the Wii U. Sure. I think there was maybe one set of commercials I saw for like a two, three week period, like around that, like November of 2012, around Thanksgiving. So I think they already shot themselves with the foot, which we know with the bad name. Yeah. Like calling it the Wii U. But people are like, what is this, a Wii extension? Even the first E3, I wasn't sure in 2011 when they first announced it, what the fuck it was. Was this an add on? It looks the same color, it's the same shape. You're like, what, what is this? So I think, yes, having one launch title that was decent, besides what New Super Mario Bros. was like the only good one they had, right? Yeah. That was exclusive. A zombie, zombie U. Zombie U was good when it was exclusive at but the time, but, it, it, but it's not going to move the system. Yeah, obviously it would have it helped to have something more. Because after Memory of Super Mario Bros. Wii U, what was the next big one that came out? Probably Super Mario 3D World, which was... Another six months? I don't even know when that came out, which was also a very good game, but it it was still you know just a kind of a a sort of reiteration, it was some differences of of of, of a 3ds game. Like it didn't didn't exactly feel like a full blown Mario game. Yeah, um, I brought this up in the Pat Solo podcast. The Pat cast was again why Nintendo really is, I think going to be more careful with the NX and why Legend of Zelda is going to be a launch title because they they have to have a good look. like this has to go better than the Wii U this has to succeed this can't even be like GameCube level of success it has to be above that right not saying it has to be Wii level but it has to be a lot better than what the Wii U was uh, so they're going to have probably at least another good launch title for that and yeah you can't survive on just one decent game every six months on your system you know, first party, you got to do a little bit better. Um, and yeah, they learned their lesson, but we'll see what happens going forward. But yeah, it would have helped, obviously, as Ian said, but 
I think you would have ended up in the same place. If it was the same amount. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible. You would, you would have had more out of the gate, but then when a game like, say, Mario Kart comes, comes out in the beginning, the one happens two years in. Right. You don't have that big game then. Like, what are you going to slide in You've there? got people selling off their systems, which is why so many people never ended up playing really good games on the Wii, like Super Mario Galaxy 2, because by then, myself included, I had looked at my Wii and said, I don't fucking need this anymore and got rid of it before some of the great late later titles for the system came out. Sure. Alright, and this is at Buff985. He's the buff and he's the stuff and the girls can't get enough. If flashcards existed when you started collecting, would your collections be the same size? It's it's tough to say. Um I think If, if flashcards had existed when I started collecting NES, I think my collection, or at least my attempt at my collection, which I think was, you know, close to 500 games or so by the time I stopped, um, I think it probably would have been the same. I was kind of obsessed with the physical media of it. I liked going to flea markets and yes. finding them and buying them. Um, also, in my head, I, I mean, emulation existed, but I was already of the belief that I wanted to play the original cartridges on the original hardware. So I don't think it really would have affected, um, say, my Nintendo collection if they had existed at that time. I would have looked at them as a novelty. I probably would have owned one. I probably would have used it to test out what games I wanted to buy next. But I probably would have continued to buy games. And at that point in time, I did kind of want a full set. I would have ended up buying everything. It's your mentality. Um, However, a, a good example of the opposite is... I got very, very close to getting back into Genesis collecting again about two, three years ago. I really started to miss a lot of my Genesis games, and I really wanted to play a lot of them again. And I had missed, you know, I that was a collection that I didn't even really sell off before I moved. It was a collection that I, I an entire collection, I don't know what happened. I don't want to insinuate a friend stole it, but I, it, it disappeared. I mean, most of it just fucking vanished. I have no idea what happened. It's never turned back up. Um... That was one where, like, right as I'm about to kind of, like, start buying up Genesis games again, and I did, I had a few, I learned about the EverDrive. And I said, hmm, hmm. I looked around my apartment, and I looked at the available space, and I said, hmm, "Hmm." no, the EverDrive's where I'm going to go. And I did. So, I mean, it depends on, I think, where you are in your life. It depends on what you want out of your collection. Are you playing? Are you collecting for for a whole set? Uh, But, yeah, two various points in my life, I think it would have been very different. If they existed during the NES era of me collecting, it wouldn't have affected anything. But it definitely affected what I chose to do with Genesis. Yeah, this this question to me is almost, you can also answer it and interchange, emulation. Sure. I know with, with Flash Crush you're using real hardware, but still, with emulation, all the games are at your fingertips, too. Yeah, that's what I touched on. I mean, like, it was And that's what got same. me in, and you into collecting in the first place. <laughs> so I think if Flash Cars existed, I think it, you, I'd still go out to the flea markets, like you said. I'd still go out and try to find those 40 NES games for 20 bucks at English Town Flea Market. Mm-hmm. And realize that, oh, I already have eight of these. Now I have doubles. I better start tracking these. I used to bring a bring printed out list of my games, right? Like, you know, write them down. Uh, I, I think with collecting, there's such t- such of it, at least 15 years ago, even now when you go to the flea market, you know, it's less likely to find good deals. There's such a thrill of the hunt aspect to it and not knowing what you're going to discover. 
you know, well, you know, maybe I'll find this box Game Boy game that I would never have thought of getting, but now it's in front of my face. So f- flash cards or emulation don't affect that at all. That sort of feeling to me. No. That feeling of discovery, of knowing what's out there. And, and yes, there's cool artwork on these game cards. They, it looks cool to have it. It's like, it's like, yeah, Ian, if you knew that MP3s existed, would you buy CDs or records? It's the same thing. Yeah. You still would. Right. I mean, I, I, I mean, I got back. I always bought, I always collected records of dance music because of DJing. But uh, I mean, I got in. I mean, I got heavy into other sorts of record collecting. Well, after, I mean, you could get any album within two minutes of you know turning on your computer. Sure. You know that didn't dissuade me. It's 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 how important is that collection to you? How important is that physical media? Absolutely. So we'll see what happens in that hundred years from now. Yeah, <laughs> when our collections won't matter anymore, and if people then are just you, know, you have nice flashcards, it'd be like a rotisserie of, of flashcards on, <laughs> on your holographic right. screen or something that you'll have to play all your a holographic flashcard will be a fake one. You just touch the Genesis cartridge and holographic controllers. You don't even need the controllers anymore. No, that sounds awful. I need that's feedback. A, you need the feedback. Yeah, you won't, won't figure that out in the holodeck. Yeah, we there might. Was, there was yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, there was feedback. I never got that with the holodeck. Yeah, but I want it to exist. Absolutely, I want it to exist. But I don't understand, like, how can you get killed in the holodeck? It's, yeah. like, it's like it's like being killed in like a Nightmare on Elm Street dream. To me. Right. It's like, what are we talking about? Fiction. Fiction. Okay. That's the end of the podcast. That's the end of the CU podcast. If you'd like to be a sponsor for the CU podcast and hopefully not have us mangle your your live read, you can email us uh, CU Podcast at thepunkeffect.com. There's also a Patreon where you can watch the entire video of us with our awkward transitions and intros and and stuff that doesn't make the cut for YouTube. And that's patreon.com slash... Pixelsickle. Pixelsickle. P-X-L-S-I-C-L-E. It's so easy to remember. Um, <laughs> and so, and uh, the book, uh, Ultimate Nintendo Guide to NES Library, you can still pre-order at ultimatenes.com. Shipping this summer. Digital one's out now. And uh, that's all for this CU podcast. Ian's holding back another yawn with so, his nostrils. So sleepy. For, for Ian Ferguson... Goodbye. I'm Pat Contry. Now we're going to go goodbye. Goodbye.